It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with The Mixed Martial Arts Hour back in your life on this Monday, March 11, 2013, my friends. This is a big week. This is a big week in our sport. It is UFC 158 week. And I'm not just saying it's a big week because I'm going back home to La Belle Provence. I'm not just saying it's a big week because it is UFC 158 week. Saturday night, Nick Diaz versus GSP. I'm saying it's a big week because on Monday morning, my friends, March 11, 2013, we have one of our most stacked episodes ever of the Mixed Martial Arts Hour. And we're going to be here with you for who knows. At this point, we could be here for six hours. I don't know. We've got a lot to talk about. Huge fight on Saturday night at the Bell Center in Montreal. GSP versus Nick Diaz. If you heard that conference call on Thursday, I've now listened to it maybe six times. You are undoubtedly very excited for this fight. It's the fight we've been talking about for years and years and years. Finally, we're going to get to see it on Saturday night in Canada, in Montreal. Welterweight title on the line. We haven't seen Nick Diaz in, in, in over a year. February of last year was the last time we saw Nick Diaz, and he came out swinging on the conference call. We'll talk about that a lot on this show. We'll, we'll, we'll really dissect UFC 158 in the third hour. When we do Rick's picks, Rick's pick challenge is back. Rick feeling very good about his uh, his betting these days because he came off a very nice uh, performance at UFC on Fuel TV number eight. And we'll talk to him in the third hour about what he's feeling going into UFC 158. We'll also talk to uh, all of you via Twitter, via your questions on the website. Uh, ask us about anything. Crazy week in MMA, a lot of news, big fights announced, injuries, etc. Hit us up using the hashtag #TheMMAHour this week. The prize at stake, GSP Championship Edition Round 5 figurine. Also, we'll be giving out two tickets to World Series of Fighting number 2, March 23rd, Rebel Casino and Resort in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Same deal as last time. I'll tell you when. Hit us up on Twitter. Let either myself or Eric know why you deserve to get these tickets, and uh, you could be one of the lucky ones. All right, let's run down the, the, the lineup quickly. Join in the back, as always, Isaac. New York Rick and the returning Buzzkill Brendan. And th- today I've been getting all these questions, these sort of legal questions from the team. Oh, are we allowed to use this? And then, of course, it makes sense that Buzzkill is here ruining my buzz on a, uh, a Monday morning. Okay, let's run it down because we've got a stack show, as, as I said. Three o'clock, we'll be joined by Mark Hunt. Mark Hunto, the Super Samoan. He got his fight against Junior Dos Santos. He's waking up very early in Australia to, to join us. Very excited to have him on the show. Stefan Bonner. First time we speak to Stefan Bonner since it was announced that he tested positive for a steroid at UFC 153. His very first interview, he breaks the silence on this show. Can't wait to have him on the show. Frankie Edgar, the former UFC lightweight champion coming off the loss to Jose Aldo. What's next for him? We'll talk to the answer at around 2.20. John Fitch, the newest member of the World Series of Fighting team, left the UFC a couple weeks ago and now part of WSOF. We'll talk to him. Mike Ricci will be stopping by. He faces Colin Fletcher this weekend at UFC 158. And we'll also be talking to Colin Fletcher. So we've got a stack show. Much to discuss, much to get to. But let us start first with a guy who I've wanted to have on this show for a very long time. Honored that he's joining us on this very special week. He is jujitsu wizard, John Danaher. He joins us right now in the MMA Hour. John, how are you? Very good, thank you. John? 
can you hear me, Ariel? I can hear you just fine, John. Thank you very much for joining us. Okay. My apologies. You, you may hear some uh, some distracting noises in the background. We're at a gym right now. Uh, George is getting a, a sports massage, and uh, so if you hear any metallic clanking and grunts and groans in the background, <laughs> don't blame me. It's the gym. Well, I think it's fitting that you're at a gym right now. It's such a big oh. week for, for you and the team. Are you getting a sports massage right now? Uh, no, I'm not. Uh, although um, I, I think I would be in trouble if, uh, if, if I did. The, uh, the sports masseuse looks like he's uh, bigger than King Kong. I think I would die if I received a massage from this person. Well, that's not very uh, sexy. You know, sometimes you think of massages <laughs> to be a little sensual. Yeah. So um, obviously this is a big week for you and the team. You're in Montreal already with George. i got to ask you, because I find, uh, and I've said this before on the show, I think that you are one of the more brilliant minds, uh, educated minds, knowledgeable men in our sport. And uh, I just wanted to get your insight uh, for this huge opportunity and huge moment for Amanda you've known for a long time, George St. Pierre. Did you hear what transpired uh, on the conference call last Thursday? Uh, I only heard uh, snippets of it. Uh, uh, I, I wasn't aware of the conference call until I arrived in Montreal for a training. Uh, I believe it was uh, Thursday night. And uh, uh, it had just happened that George was talking about what had gone on in the, in the conference call. This was a side of George we have rarely seen. He, he called Nick an uneducated fool. He was trying to explain to him where he was coming from. He seemed like he was upset. And, and from someone who is very much um, you know, a, a student of the game and, and, and who loves the psychology of the game, what did you make of this? And particularly the aftermath. When you talked to George about it, was he rattled? Was he upset? Did he have a fire that you hadn't seen before? What was he like? Uh, actually... I think perhaps uh, there's something of an overreaction to it. Uh, first of all, one thing you should all be aware of is that a large part of uh, a large part of the problem associated with conference call was that English is not George's first language, and uh, he was somewhat confused by the language that Nick Diaz was using. Nick often speaks in American street jargon, and uh, he. The main thing he heard was Nick Diaz calling. Uh, am I allowed to curse on your show? Absolutely, Ariel? absolutely. Uh, he, he Nick was repeatedly using the word motherfucker, and uh, George knows what the term is, but he took it literally. He thought that Nick Diaz was saying that he was someone who, uh, wow, literally had sex with his mother. Okay, and uh, he became he, he was upset at uh, Nick's language. Uh, and then when I explained to him afterwards that, in fact, the word motherfucker can be used in many different contexts in the United States, especially among the uh, uh, street culture, that often it, it shouldn't be taken literally. It can even be used as referred to a human being or a person. Then he kind of just laughed and, and uh, realized that perhaps it was more a mistake of a, or kind of lost in translation element rather than a, a direct attempt to insult him, and he calmed down a lot. I mean, he wasn't really upset. He thought it was more like an amusing incident. He thinks Nick Diaz is a character. Um, uh, he, uh, you know, he wasn't like emotionally upset or anything. He just uh, he, he was disturbed at Nick's choice of language, which he didn't. I don't think he really understood that uh, Nick didn't mean literally the word motherfucker. He was using it in, in the sense of modern American street jargon. And uh, once once that was pointed out to him, uh, he just found it kind of amusing. In the media, we always get excited or we always try to see if an opponent can get under George's skin because he is so, you know, he, he's almost stone cold. It's always the same guy. He doesn't show many emotions. And, and it's been hard for other opponents who have tried to rattle him. They've been all 
essentially unsuccessful. Do you feel like Nick Diaz has cracked through? Do you feel like Nick is is the, the lone example of a guy who has really bothered GSP and and as a result may have gotten him off his game? Uh, no. Um, a few things to note there. First of all, from the limited amount of the uh, audio transcript, which I heard, it sounded more like Nick got upset rather mm. than George. George kept a relatively monotone voice, and Nick seemed to uh, think that he was wronged more than anyone. So um, uh, I would say we'd go in the other direction. And secondly, you must remember these are professional athletes. Uh, you can talk about emotions. You can talk about words. But ultimately, it's a physical fight. And uh, once the first punch gets thrown, all those words, all those emotions, they go right out the window. And it comes down to the technique and the preparation of the athletes involved as to who prevails. Don't so get too wound up about words and emotions. As I said, both of these guys are highly experienced professional athletes. And ultimately what determines the winner is physical preparation and skill set and knowledge. And uh, uh, it's not about emotion. Emotions don't win fights. Techniques do. That being said, have you talked to George about not fighting with emotion on Saturday night? Because we all sort of assume that at some point in the fight, there's going to be trash talking. Diaz does this. He puts his arms up. He tries to sort of bait his opponent. Have you talked to him about dealing with that? Oh, yes, of course. But that's true for every fight. Uh, the, the truth is, Ariel, if, if, if George was at such a low level in terms of emotional control that I had to talk to him about something as mundane as sticking to a game plan and uh, uh, keeping his emotions under control, he never would have made it to be a world champion in the first place. You don't get the championship level uh, by letting your emotions get the better of your, uh, uh, of your sense of tactics and strategy. Uh, it just doesn't happen at that level. Do you get the impression that GSP legitimately hates Nick Diaz? No, not at all. Far from it. I actually think George sees Nick as a uh, a very interesting character, uh, a worthy and dangerous opponent with a with an impressive skill set. Um, uh, that that that's the limit of it. The, the, I think uh, it would be unhealthy to go into a fight hating your opponent. I think uh, hatred and anger tend to create a, a kind of a, a physical tension in fighters which reduces their athletic performance and reduces their physical endurance. It's not something which should be uh, uh, part of a professional fighter's uh, makeup. A big issue for Nick during the conference call was the, the the line that we've heard George say now, it's been repeated over and over again, that Nick deserves to get beat down. Do you think that that's what he meant? I mean, because this is something that we don't hear from George, like deserve to get a beat down. That's a, that's a big statement from someone like him. What do you think he meant by that? Uh, no, I, I think uh, that was Nick extrapolating from uh, something that Dana White had said earlier at a press conference where he, he said that George uh, uh, had said to him that, that Nick Diaz deserves to, to be beaten down uh, uh, after some public comments that, uh, that Nick Diaz had made after his fight with Carlos Condor, I believe. Um, but... Uh, uh, you know, I, I don't think – I've never seen George use that turn of phrase. Um, uh, I'm not sure if that was a direct quote by Dana White. I wasn't there, so I'm, uh, I, I can't make uh, – you know, I don't know if that was an accurate quote or not. But I believe uh, Nick Diaz was, was quoting Dana White there rather than George mm. St. Pierre. Do you think that Nick Diaz is a good representative for the sport of MMA? Um, it's 
too much of a blanket statement. I think there are many parts of Nick Diaz which uh, which uh, are, are positive. I think he has a tremendously well-developed skill set. He puts in a tremendous amount of hours in the gym. He trains as hard as any of the other professional athletes out there. Those are laudable and, and good attributes. Um, I, uh, I do think that... Uh, Perhaps some of his public statements and the way he conducts public statements are uh, are not. Uh, for example, if, if I, I don't have a child, but if I did, I, I wouldn't want my own child speaking in some of the ways that he chooses to speak. Um, but on the other hand, you know, uh, it also makes him a very interesting and uh, uh, and memorable character too. You don't want everyone to be the same and come out of the same cookie cutter. The world isn't built that way. We we like to, you know, we we tend to remember different characters rather than characters who are all the same as us. Um, uh, I, as I said, I think there are many things about Nick Diaz that are laudable and good. I, I admire his dedication and uh, uh, I admire his work ethic. He trains very, very hard. So you, you can't say Nick Diaz is all bad for the sport. You can't say he's all good for the sport. He's a polarizing figure who's, like many impressive characters, is very good in some ways and not so good in others. Is he better than GSP in any aspect of MMA, in your opinion? Uh, well, MMA has many, many aspects within it, um, and uh, there is uh, uh, the, the the danger is that people tend to look at those aspects in an oversimplified fashion. Let's say, for example, many people will say uh, uh, Nick Diaz has better uh, jiu-jitsu than George St. Pierre. But that in itself is too simplistic a way of looking at things. I would say there are some things in jiu-jitsu that, uh, that Nick Diaz does better than George, definitely. I'd say his submissions from bottom position are better than George's are. Uh, but I would say George's top control position and guard passing is better than Nick Diaz's. You can't just put blanket statements out like one guy is better at jiu-jitsu than the other. They're better at different aspects of jiu-jitsu than each other. Yes, I would say there are certain parts of Nick Diaz's jiu-jitsu game that surpass George's. But I would also say that there are there are aspects of George's jiu-jitsu game which surpass Nick Diaz. Um, within uh, within wrestling, I would say Nick Diaz is uh, has very good upper body wrestling, especially against the fence. Uh, but I would say George's wrestling with leg takedowns in the open is is decisively superior to Nick's. Uh, within boxing, uh, there are certain elements of Nick's game which are within the sport of boxing better than George's. But there are certain elements of George's boxing game which are better than Nick Diaz's. You can't just put out these simplistic blanket statements like, you know, uh, Diaz is better at jiu-jitsu, Diaz is better at, at boxing. There's, there's aspects within those games where one of them is superior to the other. And the one who will be successful is the one who can manage to keep the fight for as long as possible in those niche areas where they feel they have superiority. How do you see this fight playing out? Uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry, Ariel. I, I can't uh, answer that question directly without giving away um, uh, tactics and strategies. It would be foolish for me to answer that at this time. I'm sorry. You are a true pro, my friend. I see. That's that's why we like you. That's why we respect you. Because there is no reason for you to answer that question. But you know, I have to ask it, right? Yeah, of course. And you're a professional at what you do, Ariel. <laughs> I fully expected the question. I'm, I'm, I don't mean to be uh, to be rude and, and brushing the question off, but uh, you can see that it would be unprofessional of me to answer you at this time. Absolutely. You know, we saw a GSP return from a long layoff in November. He's coming right back, you know, what, four months later, and, and, and here he is fighting back in Montreal uh, against Nick Diaz. Do you like the fact that he's returning quickly? Because it seemed like in that fight in November, I mean, the layoff didn't really seem to affect him. He seemed like he had this killer instinct that maybe he was lacking in some of his other fights 
getting right back on the horse with no injuries seems like a good idea, right? Uh, yes, I was actually very pleased that he took this, uh, uh, this fight so soon after the Carlos Condit fight. Uh, the, the, I, I, have to tell, I, I can tell you this now, that the, the, the fight camp for Carlos Condit was one of the trickiest in George's entire professional career because it was coming off a very long layoff and uh, it had a very rocky start. The, the, the beginnings of the fight camp were unimpressive to say the least. Uh, and we're definitely not up to the standards of, of previous fight camps just because of that layoff. George is, in a sense, like relearning certain skills. And um, uh, so it was refreshing in this fight camp to see him coming off a peak against Carlos Condit, maintaining it, and just going straight through. And so this fight camp was very, very smooth, uh, extraordinarily well run, and his performances all the way through it were very, very pleasing. So uh, I was very, very happy to see him get back in the saddle. And uh, I know there were some complaints amongst fans that George was fighting irregularly, that you know he was, he was too, too few performances per year. So it was good for him to come back quickly and uh, bounce back. I think it was good for him and uh, good for the fans. We're talking to you on a Monday. You see him today. Is he any different than he is on a, on a Monday going into Condit, Koscheck, Shields? Does he have a little more pep in his step? Dissect him for me right now as you see him. Uh, no, uh, you know, he's been doing this a long time now, so there's, a, there's an established routine. I'm a big believer in the idea that whenever a, a person gets into a stressful situation, routine will carry them through in, in ways which breed success. Um, there's nothing worse than being thrown into a stressful situation where you have no sense of, of, of uh, direction where everything's new to you and unfamiliar but when you're in a stressful situation and uh, you go through familiar patterns familiar routines it, it grounds you it brings you back to a sense of I've been here before I've done this before and that's a big part of the preparation during fight week and uh, as a result George is always pretty much the same it goes in day by day by day step by step until uh, until the big show George made some headlines over the weekend when he told Sportsnet in Canada that he not only thinks a man you know very well, one of your students, Chris Weidman, will beat Anderson Silva, he will finish Anderson Silva. I'm guessing you agree with him, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, uh, George and Chris, of course, have trained together. They they uh, they both come down to the Hendrick Gracie Academy on Monday afternoons and, and do their uh, grappling workouts. And... Uh, uh, they are both uh, fascinating uh, students. Uh, it's been a pleasure to, to, to watch their skills develop over time. Um, Weidman is, in, there's a sense in which you can look at Chris Weidman and, and say he's an enormous George St. Pierre. He's George St. Pierre, 35 pounds heavier. Uh, there are some obvious similarities in their games. There are also some obvious differences. You know, I would say George is better at uh, top positional control and striking on the ground, whereas Chris Weidman is better at uh, uh, bottom and top position submissions. Um, their wrestling ability in the legs is pretty much uh, at, at the same level. Um, uh, Chris is probably a better upper body wrestler than George. Um, they're striking. George has got a, a wider range of, of movements, uh, but Chris obviously hits with more power, being a, a bigger man. Um, so there's some obvious similarities, some subtle differences, but overall, the way they approach fighting is, is very similar. So uh, uh, Chris Weidman represents basically a, a very big George St. Pierre, and as such, it would be something of a stylistic problem for Anderson Silva, gifted as Anderson Silva is, uh, that would 
many of these problems that people associate with Anderson's game appear to uh, to coincide well with with Chris Weidman's skill set. I think that's the uh, the the statement George is making. Um, of course, that's not to say it would be an easy fight. It's Anderson Silva who is arguably. Uh, you know, the, the, the finest fighter in the world, depending on who you talk to. Um, I, you know, Anderson's a guy who's got genuine knockout power in all four limbs, and uh, as such, will always have a chance against anybody. I believe he would have a chance even against heavyweights in the UFC, such as his skill level and strike. But he does have gaps in his skill level, which uh, uh, George was pointing out, and he believes that Chris Weidman is a guy who could definitely take advantage of some of those gaps and therefore would have a chance. He's not someone to be dismissed, as many people in the um, mixed martial arts community are saying, that you know, Weidman's untested, he hasn't got enough fights, he's coming off an injury, he doesn't stand a chance. And I think George was pointing out, in fact, no, stylistically, this is a, a much tougher fight for Anderson than most people realize. Does that mean that you also think that GSP would beat Anderson Silva? Uh, I believe, as I said before, you could never say of anyone fighting Anderson Silva that Anderson doesn't have a very good chance because Anderson, as I said, is a, a tremendously gifted mixed martial arts athlete with, as I said, genuine knockout power on all four limbs. That's something you don't see very often. Um, uh, but I do believe that uh, if George did fight him, he would have an excellent chance of victory. Um, uh, it would be more it would be more dangerous in George's case because of the considerable size difference. Uh, but yes, I do believe George would have a, uh, an excellent chance of victory, even against someone as formidable and gifted as Anderson Silva. I got to ask you this one last question before we let you go, John. Because uh, and and by the way, we need to have you in studio. You live in New York. I mean, it's it's long overdue. We need to talk about your career and how you moved up and, and, and just became the man who you are and, and, and got into jiu-jitsu at a late age, 28 years old. So it's a very fascinating story. But why do you wear a rash guard wherever you go, including Matt Sarah's wedding? Why is this? Because I am clinically insane. <laughs> is that I, it? I, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I, I basically have um, very little interest in, in clothing. I don't find it interesting. Um, and uh, uh, I've, I've always had appalling taste in clothes long before rash guards. And uh, ask any of my friends, and I'll tell you that before I was wearing rash guards, I was wearing things that were even worse. I, I simply don't put much uh, stock in, in my appearance. And, uh, uh, and so I, I just had rash guards. People would just give me rash guards all the time, like, hey, John, wear this. And so I. <laughs> I just would wear them home, and uh, uh, and then eventually I, I I woke up one morning and realized that my my wardrobe consisted entirely of rash guards and track pants, and um, I haven't really progressed since then. So yeah, I'm afraid it's <laughs> I'm uh, if this jujitsu thing doesn't work out for me, I'm, I'm never going to make it in the world of fashion. I'm sorry, Ariel. So are you wearing a rash guard and track pants right now? Strangely enough. The answer is yes. Wow, unbelievable. And you wore one to Matt's yeah, wedding. Right. <laughs> what was the reaction when people saw you wearing that? Well, there were two kinds of reactions. The males in the room were horrified, but the females were obviously extremely turned on, and they <laughs> all tried very, very hard to seduce me and sleep with me. Wow, that, I figured. I figured as much. I mean, did you have like a yeah, tuxedo yeah. version of it, or did you just have your typical you know, rash guard that you wear at the gym? It was a magnificent jet black rash guard, 100% uh, 
uh, as Rick Ross would say, triple black. <laughs> and uh, uh, it, it was truly magnificent. It was, uh, it was the kind of rash guard you could wear to the White House and be proud. How many do you have? Uh, that's an excellent question. There has never been an inventory on the, uh, the John Danher rash guard collection. It, it, it is currently unknown, even to the federal government. Do you think over 100? I, you know, that, that, that's, a, that's a challenging question for me, Ariel. I, I believe we have to do an audit on my rash guard, <laughs> but uh, it, it, it could be close to 100 and growing by the day. Unbelievable. Well, you, well, you wear it very, very well, I must say, and, and I think someone needs to give you like a rash guard deal of sorts because, I mean, it would make sense. You're wearing them all the time, and that, that, that's, that's a good investment, in my opinion. Nevertheless... Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll have a word to Giorgio Armani later today. <laughs> I'll see what he says. And I know some high people in, in high places as far as fashion goes, so let me know if you want me to put in, put in a good word. Nevertheless, I, I look... F- exactly. Yeah, why not? God bless you, Ariel. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> I look forward to seeing you and your rash guard uh, this week in Montreal, La Belle Provence, UFC 158. It's going to be a fascinating time, and I presume you will be in George's Corner on Saturday, right? Um, uh, either that or a strip club, one of the two. <laughs> All right. Well, let us know because we may join you to, to either or. Who knows? Excellent. Uh, thank you very much, Ariel, and, uh, and I'll talk to you soon. Best of luck to you, John. Great to have you on the show. We'd love to have you in studio one of these days, and I'll see you in Montreal this week. Excellent. Thank you very much. There he is. Bye. The wizard himself, George St. Pierre's jiu-jitsu coach, John Danaher, stops by. I'm sure you've seen this man. Um, now with the bald head, one of the smartest men in MMA. At least he sounds very smart. Always rocking the rash guard and uh, usually right beside GSP as he goes into uh, you know, every one of his fights. And he'll be there this week in Montreal getting him ready for UFC 158. And I presume in his corner comes Saturday night at the Bell Center. John Danaher, a, a, a New Yorker now, originally from New Zealand, I believe, now in New York. But now in Montreal, actually, as far as right now, sports massage place to be exact. All right, great stuff from John. Let's move along now. One of the more interesting fights on this card on Saturday night uh, features Mike Ricci versus our next guest, Colin Fletcher. You know him from Tough Smashes. Australia versus UK made it to the finals in December. One of the more unique characters in our sport. Uh, he is called the Freak Show for a reason. Looking forward to talking to him. He joins us right now in the MMA Hour. Colin, how are you? I'm fine, man. I'm fine. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing great. Great to have you on the show. When do you head out to Montreal? I actually head out in about six hours. Oh, gosh. So just packing up my little bits and pieces, getting my clown bag ready. <laughs> so do you have a, an actual clown bag? I do have an actual clown bag. I've got an actual hobo stick as well. Wow. You know, when I was talking to you on Twitter about getting you on the show, you were kind of reluctant because you said, oh, I'm cutting weight. I'm not going to be in fine form. Is that the yeah. case right now? Are you not feeling good right now? No, this, this is a week before I fight. It's never made me best. You know what I mean? I'm like a water balloon full of water and very low on. Um, basically, I fill the feed. I'm like, a, I'm like a whale at the moment. I kind of... You know the little dust particles you see in the air. How tough Those is this weight cut? What I eat. Is it? Is it? Is it's it, not really tough. It's I, not. I exaggerate a little bit. You know what I mean? It's not. I, I've never made. Um, I've never struggled to make one fifty-five. 
You know, I, I, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on, and I don't know if you know this, but Mike is coming on right after you. So we'll, we'll ask you for uh, no, I didn't know that. a message if you want to give him one um, as, as you switch spots. But I think it's such an interesting styles clash in many ways, not just in the cage. I mean, all you have to do is look at you and look at him. You two are polar opposites. What do you think of Mike Ricci and his yeah, style, the way he, he dresses his hair and whatnot? What, what do you make of this man? Um, who am I to kind of judge anybody on their appearance, really? You know what I mean? I think, um, personally, um, I've got nothing, no bad feelings against Mike Ritchie. He was one of the um, standout fighters of his season at Tough. I was rooting for him from the beginning, really. I thought he looked very good. I liked his style of fighting, you know what I mean? Um, and that was basically it, really. That's as much um, as I know of him, personally. I didn't really... Until um, until I was due to fight and people were kind of saying, oh, he's kind of opposite to you in, in every way, you know what I mean? But um, like you say, opposites attract, so um, I, I like this style from the people. He's a hometown boy. You know, GSP's on the card. 20,000-plus people expected on Saturday night. Have you ever fought in a situation like that? No, not really, but to be honest with you, I'm a fighter, you know what I mean? It makes no difference whether I'm fighting in somebody's back garden. Um, or fighting in front of 50,000 people, you know what I mean? There's only the two of us who are going to be fighting, so um, that's all that is my mind, really. I'm just there to fight him at the crowd. You were, in my opinion, uh, one of the standouts of the Ultimate Fighter Smashes season because you Thank were different. You, you know, you, you, you had a look, you know, and people are attracted to that. Yeah. When did this fatuation, infatuation, I should say, with clowns dressing up, etc. I mean, if, if no one's seen you, I'm sure if they're listening to the show, they've seen you the way you dress up. When did this all start for you? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's kind of just me, you know what I mean? I've always been a little bit quirky. Um, for a long, long period of time before I fought, I was a DJ. I used to dress up a little bit silly then, um, and just I'm not, I don't take myself very seriously. You know what I mean? I, I like to have fun with my life. I've got two young children. We're always kind of playing Power Rangers in the in the front living room and stuff. So I like to have a lot of fun. I like to dress up silly. I like to go on silly. I like to be silly. You know what I mean? That's just kind of my thing. It always has been. People who know us, um, who know us for being a little bit more extravagant than what some people may have even seen on the TV, you know what I mean? I like to have a lot of fun in my life because basically you only get one, so I'm going to live it to its fullest life. You know, there are different kinds of clowns. What kind of clown are you? Yeah. I'm a mixture between two, you know what I mean? Sometimes I'm a bad clown and then sometimes I'm a good, um, happy, fun-loving clown, you know what I mean? I'm just, uh, I don't put myself in a box. I just, whatever, whatever I feel in the moment is whatever I am in the moment. Do you sometimes, like, just when you go out at night with your, your family, your wife, etc., do you sometimes just dress up? You know, do you go to parties where people... Yeah. Dress, yeah, just like that? You you just put on the makeup and all that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sometimes, yeah. I mean, um, I won a, a, a style award um, in in my hometown of Sunderland a couple of weeks ago when we went out. There's loads of pictures that I put on Twitter and things. Of, I just went out with that. Um, didn't for a moment expect to win it um, and, and beat some... 17-year-old um, professional dancer to a style award, um, which I was rather shocked at. Who puts up like a um, six foot two city clown? Who puts on your makeup? Me. I can do it. Um, wow. Um, the last time I got it done, I had it done by um, my friends did it, but generally, um, I just do it myself. You know what I mean? It's not a, it's not a big hard job. It takes you two minutes. I've done it in the car before, going to places and things like that. 
two minutes. I'm not. I'm not like. Yeah, not very long at all. Like not very long at all. I'm not. I'm not trying for the best. Um, the most um, put together clown. You know what I mean? It's just a. It's just a rough. A rough guideline of a silly man clown. You know, I was reading your UFC.com bio, and in the bio it says uh, your heroes are your wife, of course, Chuck Norris and David yeah, yeah. Bowie. I'm curious about the other two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why those two? <laughs> well, Chuck Norris is um, he's a given really, isn't he? I mean, the man can fight, could fight the whole world with their one bazooka <laughs> and a lollipop stick, couldn't he? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and David Bowie, it's kind of just because he's a trend, you know what I mean? I was never, I'm not... Um, I, to be honest with you, I don't kind of um, fit in there, any kind of box. So I like people who kind of stand out and do something a little bit different. You know what I mean? So He's most definitely one of those kind of people. Are you a fan of his music? Yeah, I am a fan of his music. I'm a fan of every kind of music. To be honest with you, I'm I'm um, I'm, I'm a very open book. You know what I mean? I like I like anything and everything. Sort of thing. I'm, I'll give everything a chance. You know, what's interesting about you and your story is you say fun-loving and you live life to its fullest, but before you decided to give this MMA thing a go, you were a bus driver, right? And, and it, it, I find yeah, it... Yeah, I've done a number of... I, I find it interesting that, you know, if you could say, okay, you know, someone who is a bus driver, I mean, you may make good money, but you may not be, you know, shooting for the stars, if you will. You, you're not trying yeah. to live out your dream. Why did you decide to become a bus driver? And then why did you decide that this is not the thing for me? Well, to be honest with you, like I pushed upon before where I'd been a, um, a nightclub DJ, I'd managed a nightclub, the nightclub wasn't doing very well, so um, obviously um, a grown-up man with a family um, thought it's, it's time I got a proper job, sort of thing, so so I went and, I went and got a, a real job, um, I was driving a bus for a year, I'd already had one pro fight previous to that, and um, it was my wife kind of inspired us to, she said, look, uh, um Go out and get your dream if you want it. It's, it's only you who's stopping you. So, um, obviously, uh, I retired from driving buses um, and kind of give MMA me all. You know what I mean? And, and this is how far I've gotten so far. Did you think when, when you just, when you decided to leave, you know, driving buses and give this thing a go? Did you think you'd make it to the UFC? No, not at all, really. But I just didn't want to. I didn't want to be the kind of person who was sitting in 10 years' time thinking, uh, I'll give up on it. I could have gotten to the UFC. So I'd rather like try my best and fail than, um, than not have tried at all. And uh, That's the way things are going at the moment. So I'm just living it up, really, enjoying every moment as it comes. You know, obviously you lost to Norman Park on the show uh, or the finals of the show in December. Yeah. How long did it take for you to get over the loss? How devastating was it for you? Didn't take a lot of time for it to go over the loss, really. Um, I, I kind of, um, I, I love, I love Norman a bit. You know what I mean? He was one of the, one of my closest friends in that house. Um, he felt like a little brother to me. I loved, um, I looked after him a little bit. Obviously, me being a family man, um, I kind of fall into that box well of like um, caring about people. Um, I honest, honestly thought, um, going into that fight, I'd be able to fight him a lot harder. Um, I thought I'd be able to put out my feelings to one side, and and just as soon as I got in there, I was an absolute mess. Um, mentally, I just couldn't switch switch on and and fight them the way I would normally fight somebody who I didn't know or had no feelings for. So, 
in reflection, I think that should have maybe been one of me. Um, I should have focused on that aspect a lot more um, during my training than than I did. Really, I didn't. I just kind of put it in the back of my mind and trained to fight somebody else, and then it kind of came up and bit us on the arse you know, when I got in there. That's very fascinating. You don't hear people admitting to that. Um, so, have you yeah. ever been in a in a situation like that before, where you were fighting someone that you no. truly respected? No, I'd never I'd never been in that situation where um, I knew a person who I fought. You know what I mean? Obviously, I respect everybody who I fight, but um, I've never had kind of never had any kind of emotion towards anybody who I fought before. And um, kind of just like person, um, like-minded person who. I respect, but kind of ultimately um, give them the all. With Norman, that, that was totally different, you know what I mean? I went in there, and I felt absolutely fantastic preparation-wise. I walked to the cage, I got in the uh, cage, the door was shut, and from the moment I looked at him, I knew I was going to have trouble. Wow. Um, my head was a mess. And me and Norman have spoke about this since, you know what I mean? We're, we're pretty close friends, um, as we were in the house, as we were when we left the house, and as we are to this moment you know what I mean well you won't have that problem against Mike Ricci and what's interesting about this fight is that it's taking place mm. in North America first time that you're fighting in North America yeah. in fact the the fight against Norman was your first time fighting outside of the UK how do you feel about this situation yeah. you go, time difference major time difference you have to deal with that in Australia as well crossing the pond how, how do you feel about this is this exciting or do you like fighting closer to home yeah, I don't mind where I fight, really, to be honest with you. I just, like I say, I'm, I'm very open, I'm very easy. You know what I mean? I always tell the truth. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the fight. I'm I'm not really bothered about um, time differences, how things are going to affect this. It's it's 15 minutes that I've got to kind of bust my heart for, you know what I mean? And my heart can take a lot, so um, I'm going to go in there and, and, and give it everything I've got for 15 minutes, and that's, uh, that's all I can do, you know what I mean? I'm... I'm pretty sure the time difference and all of this um, traveling and things, it's just going to be irrelevant when I get in there and just put it all out there for 15 minutes. Give, give me best. How confident do you feel in your in your wrestling? Because uh, one would imagine that's going to be a big part of his game. Yeah, I mean, I, I can imagine Mike's going to want to, well, he's not gonna, he maybe isn't going to want to. We might, um, I'm, I'm sure he's got um, every base covered, you know what I mean? But he maybe he's more confident in his wrestling than somebody who trains out of the UK would be, obviously because um, you guys over in America and stuff are kind of wrestling from birth, you know what I mean? And <laughs> um, it's something it's something us guys over in the UK kind of pick up later in life. So, but I'm very confident, you know what I mean? I've got a fantastic wrestling coach back here at home, so um, we just cover all the bases and and hopefully um, and hopefully I'll be able to step up to the challenge. And uh, you're a part of Team Roughhouse, right? No, I'm not. I don't train with the Roughhouse. No, I've I've been down there a couple of times and trained with the lads, but I'm not. I don't fight out the Roughhouse or anything like that. I'm affiliated with them in any way. But you're, are you, are you friends with them in, in something like Judo Gym and those yeah, guys? I'm, okay. Yeah, Jimmy. I mean, Jimmy fought at the weekend, gone, yep. and he came up here, um, and he got. Um, he actually used my back to cut weight and things like that. That's why well, I thought I you guys were okay. I, I knew you were friends in no, some no. capacity, but I thought okay. Yeah, so yeah. He, he and he looked good. Does that inspire you when you see a friend like that? You know, just a couple of days before your fight. Yeah, of course it does. I had a um, there was quite a, re, a big show in the UK on here Saturday gone, and um, I'd say five or six of my 
friends and training partners fought and all did very, very well. So that does inspire me, you know, you know what I mean? Um, that the guys I'm training with are doing very well going into a fight. By the way, at the top, I, I asked you about your tattoo, uh, your look, and I want to ask you about your tattoos before I let you go. I mean, is that part of the look, or is there a specific sort of story behind them that we don't know? Because, of course, when you see the clown with the tattoos, that that in itself is is an interesting sight, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Not really. I'm, I'm, I'm really <laughs> random, you know what I mean? Okay. I actually, I actually, a 16-year-old had my first tattoo on my arms, um, closely followed by... Um, I've got some big hands on my chest. I, I kind of let a friend tattoo some hands underneath those hands, so they're actually a cover-up of some um, some really um, tragic hands that I had done when I was very very young. So and uh, everything just kind of fell into place from there. You know what I mean? Just little random things. Like I always um, I wanted like a little black heart in the middle, and then once I had the heart, I said, "Ah, oh, wouldn't it look cool with spider legs on?" So it just all ran into itself. You know what I mean? And, like a conscious effort to create a kind of look to me. Well, it's, myself, cer- you know it's certainly it's memorable. Things I'm interested in. Yeah, so, it's just things I'm interested in, you know what I mean? Not a kind of tie it all together. It's, like I said, it's memorable. It looks good, and I'm looking forward to seeing you fight uh, yeah, on the big stage, U- <laughs> UFC 158. One, yeah, more thing, one more thing before I let you go. In a second, we'll be talking to Mike, uh, your opponent on Saturday. Is there anything you want to say to him? Not really, I mean. I'm sure there's nothing needs to be said to Mike, you know what I mean? We're both going to be there, we're both going to be fighting hard, we're both going to enjoy this. Um, I just um, want to wish him all the luck and hope he's hope he's fit and ready, and, um, and I can't wait to meet him come Saturday. Looking forward to the fight very much, Colin. Safe travels to Montreal. Good luck to you on Saturday night. We'll talk to you very soon. Right, thank you. Take care. There he is. The Freak Show. Colin Fletcher stops by. Uh, He'll be fighting UFC 158, the first fight on the pay-per-view card on Saturday night at the Bell Center in Montreal. Now, his opponent, as I mentioned, is Mike Ricci, and he joins us right now on the MMA Hour. Mike, how are you? Hey, what's up, Ariel? I'm doing well. So no fighting words. I don't know if you were able to hear uh, Colin there, but uh, very respectful, you know, wishing you luck. Very nice of him, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't really think there, there is much to say, really. Um, you know, it is what it is. So I prefer to have my opponent, you know, not waste their time talking. You know, you were sort of campaigning to get on this card, and for a second it looked like you weren't going to get on the card because it was filling up very quickly. Were you worried that I, they wouldn't put you on this one? Uh, I always knew in the back of my mind I was going to I was gonna get on this card. I, I mean, I wasn't, you know, sure I would get, you know, this position to fight on pay-per-view. But as soon as I started campaigning, I knew I was going to get on. Like I wouldn't, I would never have started campaigning if I didn't feel I was in position to. Um, and, and it worked out, you know. And thanks, you know, to my management as well as Dana White for making it happen. It's a, it's a fun matchup. It's obviously an important one for both of you. But as I mentioned to Colin, what I like about it is both of you, at first glance, couldn't be uh, any more different. I mean, as far as your looks go, even your fighting style, what, what do you make of Colin? Uh, you know, the guy likes to dress up as a clown, the tattoos and whatnot, very different from your look. I mean, whatever. Whatever makes him happy. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I dress how I dress and look how I look, and that's because I'm comfortable looking like this, and, and I feel good like this. So if he's comfortable in, in, in those clothes, and you know, all the best to him. Have you ever dressed up as a clown for fun, gone to a clown party like he does? Uh, I was a clown for Halloween, actually. Wow. Halloween. 
Yeah, I posted a, a, a picture. I uh, I tagged him in it, and uh, it was me dressed as a clown and stuff. It was pretty funny, but uh, yes, yeah, so I've dressed as one before. Did he respond to the the picture? Because I'm curious what he thought of your clown getup. Because it's a man yeah, who takes he it laughed. Too- he laughed at it and stuff, and uh, he laughed and he and he was like, "Good one" and all that. So it was cool. Did you think that you would get another shot in the UFC after the tough finale? Because uh, most of the guys who were on the show with you didn't even get one shot. Right. Uh, of course, I, I knew I was going to get a shot. I mean, you know, moving through the house the way I did, and especially being a natural lightweight, I, I think I struck a little curiosity in Dana White. Um, I think he was curious to see me at this weight and how I performed, considering, you know, that I was knocking guys out at 170. So I felt pretty, pretty safe with my, uh, you know, with my job after the tough finale. In your opinion, what went wrong against Colton? And that's the worst thing to do, you know, is kind of talk about what went wrong because it kind of just seems like you make excuses, you yeah. know. Um, so no excuses, you know. The guy, he, he showed up and he strategized better than I did and he was well-prepared and he, he executed, obviously, and he, he took the decision. Um, I, I Leaving the tough house, you know, I was kind of very open about how it you know, it upset me, and it was very draining. You know, uh, I should have taken some time off, and I didn't. And uh, I had trouble focusing during training, and I ended up tearing my LCL seven weeks before the fight. You know, I was in a brace for four weeks, and I just pushed through all this stuff when, you know, really I shouldn't have. Um, I, I feel like I was kind of fighting for everybody else. You know, I signed with Alchemist, and, you know, Canada was like, yeah, the first Canadian, and, and the UFC was excited to have me there. And I kind of fought for everybody else when I was really 100% unprepared, you know, and it showed in my performance. Um, but with no excuses, you know, if I was in such a bad position, I should have took a step back and said, I'm not ready for this fight. But, you know, it played out the way it played out. I just wanted it to get over with regardless. I was really just fed up with the whole tough thing, and I wanted it to end. Did you receive any sort of pushback, some heat from the UFC? Because you were very outspoken. You are on this show talking about how you even thought about maybe suing the UFC over the experience. Did you get any kind of reaction out of them? Well, that was a joke. Oh, but, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a, yeah, of course. I mean, look, I, people think I complain or I whine about the Ultimate Fighter, but I, I wasn't really complaining or whining. People asked my opinion, so I gave it. You know, if nobody asked, I would not have said anything. So, I mean, people ask, you know, and I said, well, I didn't like it. it you know, some people say they did. I I don't. I didn't. It, it bothered me. And the whole suing thing was obviously a joke. Uh, you know, it was a great opportunity that I was given. But, um, so, yeah. What kind of feedback do you get from, from fans online when you see them out and about? Because uh, even right now, getting tweets, you know, some people really like you. Some people don't really like you. I, I'm sure you've, you, you, you've, you've realized this because you may come across cocky, confident, etc. What are you getting? What do people say directly to you? Um, well, yeah, I mean, directly to me. I mean, there's not many, many people are going to tell me they don't like me to my face. You know, people don't, don't usually do that. So the people around me, they, they you know, they, they, the people who are around me, they like me. You know, I, when I get approached, it's obviously by somebody who likes me. Um, but I, on on the internet is a different story, right? On the internet, I'll, I'll receive flack from a lot of people. 
um, I don't know where the cockiness thing comes from. Like, I, I think I was the most quiet guy on the Ultimate Fighter. You know, I don't, I wasn't talking any smack or anything. Um, but I mean, people are gonna think what they what they want to think. You know, I can't control that. So if they love me or they hate me, you know, it's up to them. I just I noticed that as well. It's either they really like me or they really hate me. They're <laughs> they're never really indifferent. They're never like in the middle. Like yeah, he's an okay guy. It's either like you're amazing or you're, you know, you're garbage. <laughs> you're a piece of garbage. One or the other. But you know that's a good thing. You don't want them to be indifferent. You want them to either really hate you, want to see you lose, or win you know you don't want someone to sort of be eh, this guy is kind of a channel changer so i think that's that's that that's to your credit i'm wondering do you believe people mistake confidence for cockiness oh 100 percent. i mean i mean uh, like i said I, I don't know how i come across as cocky and i never have even once went public and said anything that was cocky like i'm the best i'm this i'm that i never refer to myself as anything so how can i be cocky you know, if anything, I'm just quiet. People might—I don't know how that's mistaken for cocky, but um, but I'm not. You know, there's been times in the past, growing up, and when I was less mature, where sometimes I would be cocky, and sometimes I wouldn't. Like, you know, I, I've experienced that emotion before. I know what it is. Yes, I'm confident. I would never have been able to get to this point if I wasn't confident. Um, but cocky is—it's an exaggeration. You know, it's been a while since you fought at 155 pounds because of the show. How's that going for you to, to get your body back to this point where you're now going to have to cut some more weight, et cetera, et cetera, we're less than a week out? I, I feel unreal back in my weight. Like, I have never felt better. Uh, you know, my diet has been sharp. I hired a chef. Um, I got a nutritionist. My, my weight is on point. I've been training the last couple of weeks at about 168 pounds, 169 pounds. So I'm even lower than, than I was when I was fighting in tough. I had to cut, you know, four or five pounds to make 170. Now I've been walking around under 170. I'm lean, leaner than ever. My performance is great. Um, I, I couldn't be happier. And with that, you know, breeds more confidence. Now I'm in the, in the gym doing more rounds, getting more work in, feeling better. Uh, and, and it just, it's all been, you know, and this momentum that's just been building, and I, I can't wait to get back there at 155. I feel like I let up a lot of, uh, of the advantages I had, you know, moving up to welterweight. Now that I'm back at this weight, I really feel like I'm twice the fighter I was when I was at welterweight. I noticed yesterday you tweeted a picture of a Chinese food meal that you were <laughs> enjoying. How, how does that fit into the, to the diet? Because that can't be healthy. No, I was just, I was just messing around. Um, oh. my, parents, uh, my parents wanted to eat... Um, so I was like, okay, yeah, I'll go pick you guys up some food. And there's only three of them, you know. Um, my parents, my sister, and I just, I went and I picked up Chinese food for like 10 people. And I just sat there and watched them eat it. But uh, I, I tweeted about um, about it, but uh, I, I didn't actually actually eat it. You couldn't pay me to eat that stuff right now. You know what's funny about that? I actually had Chinese food for dinner like an hour before you tweeted that. And I, was not so, I wasn't feeling so good about myself. But then when you tweeted it, I was like, oh, look, here's a pro fighter about the fight. He's having Chinese food too. So then I started to feel better about myself. But now, once again, I don't feel good about myself. So. After, my, after my fight, because at 170, it wasn't a big concern for me. You know, like I was able to eat whatever I wanted. When I was cutting weight, I was having like goat cheese in my salad and like just it was not a big deal. You know, now I've been super strict on my diet uh, 
but after the fight, I mean, I have somebody who's going to be waiting with a bag of McDonald's for me for as soon as I walk out of the locker room. Yeah, well, when the fight's over, I will have my McDonald's waiting for me. What's going on with that? Because I see you talking about McDonald's a lot. I mean, I'm not a pro fighter, and I can't even look at that. Well, uh-huh. What's the infatuation with McDonald's? You're a guy who your body is your temple. How can you put that in your body? Well, look, for the most part, the way I live, I train you know, extremely hard every day and I eat extremely healthy. I'm on, you know, top of the line supplements. Everything I eat is organic. I have a, a grocery store here called Tao. It's an all organic store. And they sponsor me. They give me everything I need every single day. So for the last couple months, I haven't eaten anything other than, you know, anything that's not even organic, let alone unhealthy. So I eat really well and, and train super hard. So for me to indulge in, in, you know, some donuts or some McDonald's, it's not that big of a deal. I'm not eating it every single day, you know? Okay. Your body, sometimes you need to have a cheat meal. If Even for your, for your, you know, mentally, you need to refresh yourself and stuff. But McDonald's is different for me. I don't see McDonald's as junk food. Like, my body doesn't react very, very badly towards McDonald's. When I eat McDonald's, I feel great. If, I, if I'm sick, I eat some McDonald's. <laughs> it, you know what I mean? Like, it'll make me feel better. Like, it, for me, that's my ultimate food. The first day I ever, I ever ate it since that point... For me, it was my favorite restaurant. And in my opinion, it's the best restaurant known to man. There's no better. There's no better. Like, tell me tell me what's the most successful restaurant right now on this planet. That's true. McDonald's. There's no, And there's a reason for that, because it's the best. There's no better food than McDonald's. I know I'm cutting weight now, so if we get into food, I might start blabbering. But, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's my, my fascination with McDonald's. Is like, I, I, it's the best. Their burgers are unreal. Uh, what's, what's your favorite meal at McDonald's? Well, I, I, like I said, I haven't eaten at McDonald's in like, a, I don't know, 10 years. I just can't. I, I, I've heard. You're gonna be, if you're going to be in Montreal this weekend. I will. We'll go to McDonald's. <laughs> I can't do I'll it. I'll show you how to eat, eat it proper. There's, really? there's, you know, yay. You got you to gotta go about things properly when you walk into that restaurant. Well, can't play around. The, the guy who's going to be holding your bag, what's going to be in that bag on Saturday? Like, what's the go-to, the meal there? Okay, so first things first, we're going to have a fish fillet in there. <laughs> That's for sure. No playing around. Fish fillet, extra crispy, double cheese, add Big Mac sauce. Done. Wow. We're going to have a fry. Um, We're going to have a double cheeseburger with bacon. And we're going to have six nuggets. So we've covered all aspects. You got chicken, beef, fish. We've we've covered it all. Um, And then, of course, a McFlurry for for dessert. Which flavor? Uh, Smarties, extra Smarties. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> extra smarties you gotta... <laughs> wow that, that that is a big meal though you can finish all that well it's it's two burgers some nuggets and fry you know something and, and a fish yeah yeah that's yeah you're right but it, it's not that bad i mean mcdonald's is like you know you i've eat one time one time i ate eight cheeseburgers at mcdonald's what in one sitting yeah yeah, one sitting, just eight cheeseburgers, like no fries, no nothing, just eight burgers. I know somebody who ate 12 ones. Just for fun? Just, well, yeah, I guess you could <laughs> say that. Well, it starts off for fun, and then I guess towards the end, it's more of like a push to see how far you can go. But, right. yeah, for fun. Now you're actually making my mouth water. Now you're actually getting me a little excited, <laughs> even though I don't like this stuff. <laughs> let, let me ask you, do you like the fact that you're fighting in Montreal? Because there's added pressure fighting in your hometown. Do you, do you enjoy that? I'm so happy I'm back in Montreal. I'm such a hometown kid, you know. This city is, I love it. Like, I was born here and I'll die here. This is is my city. And I feel like 
no matter how small or how big the show, I've always done my best in, in representing the city and fighting for them and, and putting on for them, entertaining for them. And, and um, you know, to have the opportunity to fight here in Montreal you know, on pay-per-view and share a card with George, someone who, I, who I've looked up to for years, uh, there's no there's no better for me, you know? Like, I mean, obviously I can say, oh, well, there's world title shots and there's this and there's that. Of course, you know, I can I can add to the stakes, but for right now, this this opportunity for me and the position I'm in, I couldn't be happier. Um, and I'm there's nothing but excitement, you know, flowing through my body for this for this affair. I'm just wondering before we let you go, uh, a couple more things. First things first, what's going on with uh, with Rory? We haven't heard from him since he pulled out of the fight. Is he okay? How severe is this injury? Um, well, it was severe enough, you know, to you know, to impede his training to the point where he, you know, he wouldn't be able to fully be prepared. So he had to back out, you know, it wasn't a, a an injury where he would need surgery or anything like this, but it was enough to sideline him, you know, from preparation. And, um, he, you know, he's recovering now. I mean, he's, he's getting back into the gym now. He's slowly, I see him training again, but uh, he wasn't able to, you know, fully prepare for combat. Um, but now he's back, and, and it's it's really not not bad. You know, he's making a full recovery. He'll be he'll be back in no time. What kind of pressure? Not I'm not talking about the hometown pressure, but these days, especially in the lightweight division, the UFC has come out and said there are a lot of guys who need to be let go because we have too many guys. Mm-hmm. They're all must win when you're fighting. But in this in that sense, is this a must win for you? Do you need to win to stick around? To be honest with you, I, I really haven't haven't gotten caught up in that. You know, I just told you earlier how. I fought for so many other reasons my last fight and fought for everybody else. And really this time around, I've just gotten back to fighting for myself. And, and, and the reason why I started, you know, remembering where I came from fighting because I love this sport. I couldn't care about the, these cuts. I couldn't care less. I, I don't care who's getting cut, when they're getting cut. I'm just fighting for myself. I love to fight. You know, great, it's a bonus. It's in Montreal, but I could have been anywhere. You know, I just got back to fighting for myself. And I, I'm not worried about... You know, all this stuff that's happening around me. I'm enjoying my training. I'm enjoying, you know, coming back to my weight division. Like you said, you know, it, it being such a steep division. But I feel like I, I got the opportunity to, to join the UFC at 55 because of my performances at welterweight. And those those performances weren't a fluke. You know, I consistently fought well in that house, and I, I finished people. I got knocked out of the season. And that's going to happen now at 155 as well. I'm going to continuously go in there and put on great performances and, and stop the show like I, you know like I have been doing when I was when I was on TV. So I'm not worried about these cuts and, and it's not something I've gotten really too caught up in. It's amazing listening to your voice compared to the guy we spoke to in December. You seem to be in a much better place mentally. Uh, in December, you seemed a little dark, a little sort of beat up mentally over the whole process and just the sort of tone uh, of the interview, much different than this one. Do you notice that? Yeah, I, I literally have become, you know, I've done what I had to do this time around. I've become selfish and put myself first because I'm the only one that's in there. When I lost to Colton, I remember him having his hand raised and me telling myself, you remember what you're feeling right now. And you're the only but only person in here who's feeling that. You're embarrassed. You know, you've lost. You're upset. And it's only you. Nobody else. You fought for everybody else, and now it's you in here who's taking all the heat. And now I've really gotten out. You know, when I stepped out of that cage, I changed everything. 360, it's all been about me, my training, and my fighting. And that's all that matters. So at the end of the day, I'm the only person walking in there. You know, I changed everything I was supposed to change, and I've, it's been months. 
as soon as I got back to Montreal, so I'm completely different in a completely different mind state now. And for me, I'm not just happy to be back. You know where where I should have been back then. Final question. Uh, I know you're part of uh, the Alchemist team, Lex McMahon, those guys doing great work. Are they going to reach out to McDonald's? I mean, it seems like a fit to have them, uh, no-brainer to have them sponsor you. What's going on? Why hasn't this yeah, been they, done yet? They, they they need to. McDonald's needs to make that, that step over into MMA. I think maybe after this fight and this performance that I put on, we'll, uh, we'll approach McDonald's and, and maybe make a commercial or two. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> I look forward to that. And hey, if you want to give me a cut of that deal, since we sort of put them on Listen, blast here, you Ariel, know. Yeah. I'm going to make sure it's in contract that Ariel Hawani <laughs> and friends, okay. right, eat for free from at McDonald's for life. Wow, I'll be sure to never use that deal. But I appreciate the sentiment. It's a, it's a very nice <laughs> idea. Good luck to you, Mike. Always great to talk to you. Looking forward to the fight very much on Saturday night. And uh, and and again, uh, thanks thanks as always for the time. All right, man. Thanks. I'll see you there. All right. There he is. Mike Ricci stopping by. Uh, he'll be fighting Cole, uh, Colin Fletcher. I was going to say Colton Smith. That already happened, of course, at the Ultimate Fighter finale in December. He fights Colin Fletcher. It's the freak show versus the Martian, right? Not really. Um, but it kind of is. I, I, although I, I don't think he goes by the Martian nickname anymore. Um, but he was once called the Martian. So it's the freak show versus the Martian on Saturday night, kicking off the pay-per-view in Montreal. Okay, let's move along now to uh, our next guest. Very excited to talk to this man. Been trying to get him on uh, on the phone for a while and, and very pleased that he has uh, decided to join us here on the MMA Hour. He is the newest member of the World Series of Fighting team. He is John Fitch. John, how are you? Doing good, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Great to have you on the show. Uh, and I'm sorry for, for bothering you over the last couple of weeks. I feel like I've been uh, harassing you, so I appreciate you finally... Uh, no worries. You're, you're not the only one. I was getting a lot of, a lot of questions there for a while. What, what has the last two weeks or so been for you? I know you went to Japan for a second, so you almost escaped it all, but yet you were still around some familiar faces. But this whole experience, what has it been like for you? Um, you know... Uh... It's been uh, life-changing, I guess. You know, there's a lot of uh, new plans that had to kind of come up and, and, and just settled. But, you know, I'm, I'm actually uh, very excited, and I'm in a very happy place right now because I feel, um, you know, working with World Series, that uh, I'll get to help build an organization and work with people and, and instead of kind of feeling like I'm working against people. Is that how you felt in the UFC? A, a little bit. I mean, I... I didn't know exactly what was expected of me, and I, I just never quite felt right uh, in the organization. And um, I think this is just going to be a, a fresh start and uh, something a lot better. You know, we brought this up to Dana when we spoke to him right after this news came out. He shot it down, but, you know, uh, it seems to many people like a no-brainer. Did you feel that way ever since the whole video game thing happened? In other words, did you feel like the, the, the relationship was never repaired after you were let go for a day and then brought back the next day? Um, no, I kind of felt that way from the beginning. Um, Even before that? Things, yeah, things just kind of deteriorated more after the video game. But, um, yeah, I never really felt comfortable or, or wanted there. Why even before that? Because you did get the title shot. You moved up. You fought some great opponents. What made you feel that way? Um, I never, I don't know. I mean, I, not, nothing uh, uh, in particular, just an overall feeling. Just um, didn't feel like I got a lot of attention that some other people did who were um, doing the same things as me. But, 
you know, the, the important thing is that I'm, I'm going to be with the organization now that I feel that uh, we're going to really get a chance to do something big. When you left, uh, you know, Las Vegas, uh, Super Bowl weekend after the Maya fight, did it even cross your mind that you may be out of a job after that performance? Um, no, I, I didn't uh, really uh, think about that at that time. I was kind of just upset with the performance and, and uh, uh, you know, just questioning and, and going back through my preparations for the fight and things like that. I wasn't really thinking at all about um Losing, uh, losing my uh, contract with UFC. What went wrong there? Because uh, you know the the theme of when people were talking about the fight afterwards, he outfitched Fitch. He he did what you have done to so many other fighters. How did that happen? Um, you know, I just uh, I don't want to take anything away from from uh, Damian. It just uh, an off night. I don't I don't think I ever felt uh, like I got started. You know, it was very flat. <clears throat> you know, I think one of one in a lifetime type things that. It, I get one of those days that falls on a, on a fight night, but you know it happens. Everybody kind of goes through that, you know, and in, in, in training sometimes. But you know, I've, I've never had an experience kind of like a, a shutdown like that in a fight before, and hopefully uh, it'll never happen again. Were you healthy going into the fight? Um, I believe so. <clears throat> so no, no, no excuses as far. And we're not trying to take anything away from Damien, but that was you in there, and you just got beat on that night. Um. Yeah, it wasn't a. It wasn't the best me. It was uh, an off night for me. I can't really say it was me, but I'm not gonna put any kind of excuse out there. Like I was being held back in any way. What was your reaction when you got the news that they were letting you go? Um, I just kind of laughed. Uh, really, I mean, it was a surprise, but at the same time, it, it kind of wasn't. So it was more like a okay, you expected this to come, and now here it is. Yeah, it's kind of like you know, you feel feel like you've got a neck, a knife dangling over your neck for a long time. You know, you're not real surprised when it when it cuts you. Is it almost a relief that it's gone? You know, I think maybe that's kind of like the feeling that I'm I'm having right now. Um, you know, because I'm I'm in a very happy place right now. If you talk to my wife, my attitude is much much uh, different now than it has been the last uh, couple of years. Really? Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just looking forward to this as a positive experience. And, you know, I'm really excited with World Series of Fighting. Does this mean the ukulele is going to come back? Um, yeah, I'm working on a, a weight-cutting video right now. Oh, great. All right. Well, that is truly a sign that you are maybe a little happier these days. Um, did you notice the reaction? Because you kind of, you know, you, you as, as happens often, you know, we, we look to social media to see if, you know, the, the, the person in question in the headlines will say anything. And you were silent, understandably so. But everyone else was going, I mean, the fans were going crazy. Did you know that? Did you, did you see some of the things that the fans were tweeting to either Dana White, to journalists, to just in general? Did you, did you notice yeah, the, I mean, the, the reaction you were getting? I got a lot of support, you know, um, from from every angle, from team, from uh, coaches and, and management and, and uh, friends, family. Um, I didn't really know about the online stuff until I started, my, you know, my phone started blowing up. When people started finding out, like, we were worried because <clears throat> I found out, like, on a Monday and then everybody else kind of found out on a Wednesday. But we, me and the wife had already forgotten about it. We'd already moved on. And uh, and then everybody else started finding out, so we started getting, you know, a lot of phone calls and text messages and just a ton of support from, you know, people close to us. And then, you know, any journalist who's who's had my uh, number, 
over the last, you know, seven years or so, text and weren't even asking for interviews. We're just giving their opinion and, uh, you know, saying that they supported me. Um, I had, uh, you know, fight fighters, um, current and, uh, and, you know, Hall of Famers have sent text messages and, and given support. And uh, just everywhere I went, went to Japan, and the amount of support I got over there was crazy. And then finally started getting back online and seeing the overwhelming response from from uh, my fans and the, and the fans of the sport. What was it like being in Japan at a UFC event after this had just happened a week ago? Um, it was it was fine because, you know, the people, the workers, the, the staff, everybody at the UFC, um, on that level has been always great and, and uh you know, it's kind of like family. Like, so it was, it, it was just like to any normal event or everything was fine. Um, being there in corner and Ricky, uh, but the, you know, and, and the crowd and everybody there was super supportive also. So it, it was a little surreal because it didn't feel like anything changed on that end. You know, one of the things I noted after this happened and then this avalanche of support came your way was, you know, as I've said to you, always really enjoy talking to you. I think you're one of the smartest guys in the sport, the way you you analyze things. I remember one of our first interviews, I was just sort of blown away by your responses. And I remember as recently as UFC 153, prior to the Eric Silva fight, tweeting out an interview with you saying, take a listen to this interview very interesting stuff from John Fitch. And then you'd get the typical, oh, it's John Fitch, he's boring, et cetera, et cetera. And then when you get cut, you get all the support. And I was wondering, where were these fans six, seven months ago? Where were they when people were maybe dogging you or putting you down, calling you boring, et cetera? Did you ever think that, like, oh, it's great to know all these people love me, but where were they a few months back? No, well, I mean, it's what I've said a long time ago. Um, You know, a lot of people who support me and are fans of me, they're not people who spend a lot of time online. There are a lot of people who are on those forums and on those websites doing, you know, wasting their whole day just, just talking about the, the sport. So when something like this happened, they did catch and see it. That's something that motivated them to get online and actually make comments and put up posts. Mm. So um, I think far too often we spend too much time listening to the people that have no lives and are doing nothing but spending their days online and, and writing comments and, and talking about everything they hate in the world. The two things Dana said as far as uh, explaining this, one of them was you're on the downside of your career. You were number one contender. Now you're down to ninth, whatever that means in the rankings. Do you agree with him? No, in no way. It, sorry, in, in no way or in what way? In no way that uh, I'm, on, I'm on my downside of my career. Um, I don't agree with that at all. And I never really got that much recognition as a number one contender when, when I was under contract, so... Did you did you listen and watch those interviews when he was talking about you? No, I haven't. Uh, I haven't paid any attention to anything other than than my fans and uh, supporters. And then he said that you were you were very expensive. Did did that bother you? Did you hear that? Did that bother you? Because obviously there are a lot of people who make more than you in the UFC. Um. Yeah. I mean, I guess uh, this isn't a, a sport about winning. I guess winning doesn't really count for anything. That's the interesting question because it brought up the debate: entertainment versus sport. Do you think we're going down a a dangerous path here? Because how can someone, you know, this is what was brought up by your supporters with your record, be expendable after a loss like that? Um, I mean, in a lot of ways, I think we're past that point. Hmm. Um, but I mean, it's it's what it's what people want. It's people want, you know, those those type of fights. People want those matchups. They're not that concerned right now with um, 
you know, style matchups and, and, and guys being better than other guys. A lot of times right now they just want to see certain fights because they excite them or they're fun to watch for some reason. And that's, I mean, if that's the game you're playing and that's what you're looking for in, in uh, making money, that's what the crowd's spending money on right now. When you debut in World Series of Fighting, will it be the same Fitch or is this an opportunity to reinvent yourself? Um, you know, I think just me being comfortable in the situation and being happy with the situation, um, I think it's just going to let me be more of me, and I think that's going to be um, something that people are really going to want to pay attention to. Other than World Series of Fighting, who contacted you? Um, you know, they made the, the, the strongest presence uh, right away, and, and uh, with dealing with other people, my management has extensive um, group of fighters and all organizations, so they already know the contracts, and they already know um, what offers are probably going to be made. <clears throat> so there wasn't much need to look elsewhere. Uh, as far as, and because this was a big talking point, I feel like I have to ask the question, as far as financially, is it a similar deal to the one you were getting in the UFC? Um, no, but there is a considerable amount of freedom. Um, like, uh, as long as it doesn't fall within too close to a fight date, I, I can compete uh, in grappling um, oh. competition. So, you know, there's potential to make money on the side um, doing that. So if anybody's out there winning a super fight or some kind of exhibition um, game. Uh, what about uh, as far as exclusivity in MMA? Is this an exclusive deal? Can you not fight in Japan or somewhere like that? Um, you know, I think we have some options to where we could possibly fight uh, um, out of the country. Um, it just depends on how active uh, they, they make me. You know, if I stay really active with them, um, you know, I might not, might not have the time or the desire to need to fight elsewhere. When this news came out, Gerald Harris seemed to be campaigning for a fight against you. Does that interest you? Um, you know, like, uh, there's a number of good guys that they've signed at, Wel at Welterweight World Series. I think it's going to be interesting um, to see how things play out, um, but that's definitely a future fight. And, and the fight that was supposed to happen back in July uh, in San Jose was you versus Aaron Simpson. And in talking to them, it seems like if he wins on March 23rd, he may get that opportunity to fight you. Does that interest you? Yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's potential matchups, too. Uh, you know, me and Aaron were supposed to fight once before. And then, you know, if Berkman wins, they could, uh, could you know, grant him a, a rematch um, from that fight a long time ago. So mm -hmm. both, both are interesting. Uh, you know, there's still plenty of good, interesting matchups to happen um, at World Series. Uh, is it set that you will debut on June 14th? Um, um, yes, there's still just no opponent, but I, 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 will, I will be main event June 14th. Oh, great. You'll be, so you're getting the love over there, in other words. Yes. That must feel it's, nice. It's going to be really nice to, you know, work with people and uh, get a strong push from this organization, and I want to do what I can to, to get the push back and really build this organization. Did you watch their first show in November? I, I did not. Um, you know, for the last you know couple of years, I haven't watched any MMA other than my teammates fighting. Hmm. How come? Um, it's just there's just so much of it, and it's too hard to follow. And to be honest, there's never really the matchups that I want to see. So it's rare that I, I get the opportunity to watch. Do you think there is room, because obviously Bellator is number two, do you think there's room for three organizations in North America? Um, well, I mean, that's the goal is to make uh, World Series number one and round out the rest. So, 
no, I hope there is only one organization <laughs> in North America, and, and I think it's going to be us. Uh, you know, some people, you know, when you look at some of the deals that they've made and the, the time by, we get concerned that financially they may not be making the right deals because you don't want them to sort of come out like other organizations, spend too much, and then be gone in a year. Are you going to mm-hmm. be a part of the, as a veteran? I mean, will you be lending some expertise, some advice or whatnot, or are you just focusing on fighting? Well, you know, I'm gonna, the big focus is, of course, fighting. But, you know, if, uh, if they need help elsewhere to help, help grow and build the organization, um, you know, I want, I want to be able to do what I can for them. <clears throat> um, but, you know, there's, there's no risk, no reward, so they're going to have to to um, make an effort to, to, to get themselves seen on, on NBC. And then I think, you know, that's the thing about the sport. Once people start to see it, they, they, they want to see more of it. You're 35 now, just turned 35. How many more years do you want to do this for? As long as it's still fun. I mean, you got guys like Randy and Dan Henderson, you know, fighting into their 40s, and uh, they find success and are enjoying it. I don't see why I can't either. Was it at some point throughout this whole run with the UFC at the end, was it no longer fun for you? Was it getting um, dangerously to, close to that point? I think a little bit in the last last year or so. But what I was think, it? Uh, Go if ahead, I wouldn't have won the Eric Silva fight, I think that, you know, there are a lot of factors in, in me not being involved in the sport anymore. What was interesting, though, was when I talked to you in Brazil, it seemed like you really regained that fire. Like, that had rejuvenated you and given you a lot more, you know, life. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, the atmosphere and the, the build-up to that fight and the position I was in um, really kind of uh, gave extra energy to it. But now, in a weird sense, because there's all this attention on you and, and, and fans talking about you, even now a lot of people writing about you as we're doing this interview, is that kind of the only fire that you know? Like, it's just nice to feel wanted sometimes, right? And is, is that a big part of your, your, your motivation here? Um, yeah, but I think a lot of it, too, is um, I kind of had the revelation that I, I think um, it's not necessarily UFC's fault, but the sport was kind of turning me into, into a fighter and not, uh, not a martial artist. And I think um, living my life and doing things daily as a martial artist uh, made me a lot happier. And I think I've gotten back to that in the last month or so. You know, if you go undefeated in World Series of Fighting, your contract expires, UFC comes calling again. Would you go back? Would you entertain that idea? Um, You never know. Uh, Can't write anything out. But, you know, I'm excited with uh, the deal I have going right now, and I'm hoping we can build from it. So you're at peace with... If that chapter of your life is closed forever, you're at peace with that. Turn the page. Turn the page. That's it. It's over. Got to ask you, just before we let you go, John, because I always appreciate your insight, Diaz, GSP, does Diaz have a chance in your opinion? Um, I, I don't think so. Um, you know, he's always been weak in wrestling. Um, you know, bigger, stronger wrestlers are able to control him, and I don't think he's got enough power to, to knock GSP out. I just don't think stylistically it favors him. But, you know, he's got a lot of heart. And uh, if he can land enough of those punches in the fifth round, I don't know. Maybe he pulls something out and gets GSP tired. Is this one of those fights that interests you? Um, I, I might watch it sometime later. <laughs> but you're not going to watch it live? No. Wow. You really don't care? No. <laughs> What will you do instead on a Saturday night? Um, 
Which Saturday night is it? I might be I might be traveling or with family. You, you don't even know. It's this Saturday. Oh, this Saturday. Yeah, I'll be I'll be in uh, L.A. Oh. So. So you really don't follow the sport at all. Um. Oh, well, I'm starting to follow World Series now. Okay. All right. Well, you know they and have. I, will be, I, I should be in. Uh, I should be in New Jersey for for uh, their second event. I, I was I was going to ask you about that. Their second event is in a couple of weeks. You'll be there in Atlantic City on March 23rd. Um. Yeah. Okay. Let yeah, me. Yeah. Everything's situated yet, but I'll, I'll be there for the fights. Okay. Final thing. We're giving away two tickets to that event, um, mm. and uh, we need we need a reason why someone should win these tickets. Anything come to mind? Should should fans? Is it a trivia question about you? Something that if the fans get it right someone gets these two tickets anything come to mind um yeah you could uh ask them what the event was that i fought diego sanchez diego sanchez all right but you know they're gonna look that up on on the internet well then it's uh is there about s- a picture we can do a fitch face contest i did a fitch face contest and you can pick the best okay uh, th- you know what i love that you have to tweet us right yeah. now um, and we'll we'll decide the winner by the end of the show. You have to tweet us a picture of your best Fitch face. The best one, the one that we like the best, gets the two tickets to March 23rd. That sounds good. All right. Well, John, it's good to hear from you. Uh, I'm very happy to th- to see that things turned out for the best, that you're uh, with a new team now, a new promotion, and uh, happy you came on the show to talk about uh, everything that's been going on in your life. And by the way, sorry for, for hounding you. Um, just really oh, wanted no to worries. talk to you again. Uh, congratulations. So I was in Japan most of the time, so I missed most of it. Oh, okay. Very good. And I hope uh, fatherhood is treating you well. Oh, it's, it's doing great. He's he's a handful. He'll be walking soon. That's awesome. Well, uh, congrats on the new deal. Looking forward to your debut in June. And again, thanks for stopping by. No worries. Thanks for having me. There he is, John Fitch, stopping by. So uh, this is uh, this is the deal. Last week we said. Tweet us why you deserve to go to this event. This week we're going to up the ante. If you want to go to World Series of Fighting 2, March 23rd, Atlantic City, Revel Ovation Hall, the Revel Resort and Casino, you have to tweet us to either Fitch, uh, Fitch, to either New York Rick or myself, tweet us your best Fitch face. The winner gets the tickets. New York Rick, will you tweet that so the people know what's happening in case maybe they're not listening? Yes, I will. And by the way, if you're not listening, you almost don't deserve the tickets, but whatever. Just in case. Because you have to live in the area. You have to live in the area. You have to be able to, to go to the event. We're not just giving them to you to put on your wall. So there you have it. That's the contest. We'll decide a winner by the end of the show. Let's move along now. And uh, a man who knows a lot about Atlantic City, lives in the great state of New Jersey. He's our guest right now. He is Frankie the Answer Edgar. Frankie, how are you? I'm good, Ariel. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for stopping by. I appreciate it very much. Haven't talked to you. I don't know if you've done many interviews, if any, since the, the Jose Aldo fight. Uh, it's been, what, a month or so? A little over a month? Are you over it? Are, are you still thinking about it? Are you still dwelling on it? I, no, I mean, I'm over it as much as I can be, you know. Uh, obviously upset that uh, you know, I didn't get the win, but, uh, you know, what are we going to do? Back to the drawing board, I guess we go. Was that the best Frankie Edgar possible, or do you think you could have been better that night? You know, I think you can always do better, but uh, I was happy with my performance. I was more than prepared. You know, uh, everybody, my, everybody in my corner was prepared. I felt, uh, you know, everything that arose in the fight we were, wasn't really a surprise, so I was ready, you know. Was he better than you thought he would be? Uh, not that he was, you know, it was pretty much just, just what I thought, you know. Uh, 
timing and speed always takes a little uh, adjustment period to get used to. And uh, I felt like once I got adjusted, uh, it kind of seemed like I was re- I was ready for. Uh, yeah, we were expecting what he brought to the table. And then how about at 145? Now that you actually fought at 145, I mean, are you convinced this is better for you to fight at that weight? Uh, I wouldn't say it's better. I just, you know, it's just something, uh, I guess, more fitting. Um, you know, just based on my size. Uh, I, you know, it kind of made me uh, feel like a better athlete anyway. You know, I was paying attention to what I was eating more. And, you know, it's a little stricter on that end. So, uh, I don't know. I think I just uh, I felt better, I guess you could say, uh you know about about the cut than I than I thought I would. You know he uh, he made some headlines last night. Someone tweeted me this video, this interview that he did in Brazil, where he talked about the fight. I just want to quickly read the quote and get your your take on it. Okay. He said, everybody said it was going to be the toughest fight of my life, of my career, this and that. So come fight time, I was laughing during the bout because all the media was saying was it was going to be the biggest challenge of my career. But in there, I saw that it was nothing like what I was expecting it to be. Of course, I trained a lot. This is my life. So I train hard every day when it's fight time. But then it goes really easily. So thank God everything went well for me. After each round, my trainer was telling me what was going on and what we had on our hands. So thank God it went uh, like that until the end, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It seemed like he was maybe a little bit disrespecting you. Do you, do you not take it that way? I mean, I don't know, man. He says a lot of stuff, you know. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't get really caught up in this stuff, man. I mean, he thought that was an easy fight. I mean, you know, it, it, was, it was close. I mean, you know, I can't deny that. I don't think any, even people... Big Jose uh, fans can't really deny it either. It was a close fight, you know. It was easy, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's the right attitude to have, you know what I mean, uh, as a champion. Uh, you know, <laughs> overlooking people like that. But, you know, it is what it is. You've been in this situation before, before they read the judges' scorecards. Did you think you'd won? I did, man. I just try to stay positive, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I always think in my head I'm one-on-one. I, I don't know. That's just something I do. But uh, it was a close fight, you know. Um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I thought I won, I didn't win. It, you know, it was, it was a close fight. So after the fight, um, you know, a couple of weeks later, we report on UFC Tonight that you're interested in a fight against Cub Swanson. And then Cub tweets to you, uh, you know, haven't you learned, you know, your lesson fighting these WEC guys? And you're like, yeah, relax. I'm not really, you know, there's nothing against you guys. Just it's an interesting fight. And then it comes out that the UFC actually wanted to make this fight happen, um, but it seemed like Cub wasn't ready. From your from your perspective, what happened there? You know, I was away on vacation with my family, um, and uh, I was calling, getting emails. I wasn't getting phone calls. I got an email saying, call me from my manager, you know, Ali, and uh, they asked me to uh, take the fight on the 17th, be the main event. I said yes. Uh, from what I understand, he couldn't, uh, he couldn't make weight in the... In the he was too big to make weight in that short of time, so six and a half weeks wasn't enough time to get down. Does it, does that surprise you? Because he had just fought mid February in London after your well, fight. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think. I mean, you know, I don't know if he was banged up from the fight too. You know, he did fight not too long ago, but uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't think weight would be an issue. You know, um, especially you know here and you know and you know call me out a little bit. I thought he'd either jump to that fight, no problem. But I don't know. <laughs> He told me that uh, he had a bit of a, a foot issue after the fight, etc. Did they not mention that to you? Was it only the weight excuse that was given? No, no, no. Uh, he said he, you know, he still was banged up, and, and uh, he felt he didn't, he couldn't work out enough to get down and weight. So, you know, maybe not just the time, but because he was a little banged up, you know. So I'm hoping we can maybe make this fight a later date. Who knows? So is that what you want? Is this a fight that you want next? I mean, listen. The way I look at it, you know, that's why I hate picking names because all this, this drama, you know, seems to come with it. And 
you know, I'm looking at Cub as a number. You know, he was he's the highest ranked guy that doesn't that does doesn't have a fight that's available. That's the guy I want to fight. You know, I feel like uh, the past seven, seven fights, almost three years, I've been either a champion or fighting for the belt. You know, I think I deserve a top name. Yeah. So, is he the sexiest name out there for you, or is there someone else at 145 that interests you more? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, like I said, he's a number. He's number. I don't know what it is. I don't really follow. The, but, you know, my coach actually follow a little more than me. But I say he's number five. You know, one the champ, two, three, and four. I don't know who they are, but there's their book. You know, I may be one of them. I don't know. So number five seems right. He's the highest guy that's not booked. Let's do it. Have they reached out to you? They being the UFC through your manager Ali. Have they said that this is what they want to do next? Uh, no, you know, I don't know. I, I think they uh, they like this fight. I mean, kind of makes sense. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. On their end as well. Uh, but I, you know, they haven't you know approached me with a date or anything like that. No. From what I was told, you want to have this fight uh, for a, like a main event for uh, a non pay per view because you want it to be five rounds to really test his card. He's never been in that situation before. Is that uh, really you know, what not, you want? Not only that. I mean, yeah, of course. Is a five-round fight going to be to my favor, most likely? Because, yeah, I mean, my last seven fights are five-round fights. I'm pretty comfortable doing it. But me, also, I, I just want to, you know, I mean, my goal, I'm not you know, trying to fight to just keep my MMA career going or anything. I still want to fight for the title. That, that's still my goal. So that's why I want to name my club. That's why I want to do a five-round fight. So I kind of just keep everything the, the way it was. You know, just keep striving for these five-round fights and get back to the title. You know, I get I get uh, hounded by your, your supporters, and particularly uh, your your coach, one of your coaches, Mark Henry's son, because he's <laughs> he, when, I, when we talk about the rankings, Frankie should be number one at featherweight and lightweight. You deserve both those spots. And to be honest, I agree. And I did put you in both those spots. Do you agree? Do you think that you should still be the top guy at, at, at featherweight, 155 and 145. Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, uh, it depends. You know, I'm sure. That, you know, I'm not really big into the rankings. Obviously, you know, that's 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 your guys' job, and, and you know, the fans to debate over. Um, but you know, it definitely brings buzz to, to to the sport and something to talk about. Um, you know, I guess there should be if you're going to rank me in the 55, it's got to be. Uh, I haven't fought there in a while. I'm sure I can't be ranked there any, anymore. You know. Hmm. But you, you, just because those two fights against Benson were so close, and he's still the champ, it just almost makes sense. That's my thinking. Hey, it's cool. You can pat me in the back. I like <laughs> it, you know? <laughs> I know you look at the rankings. Don't be so modest. I'm not being modest. I, I, you know, sometimes you do. You know, you do. I don't really get on my computer too much. Honestly, I follow mostly your stuff through Twitter for oh. news and some other media guys, you know? And uh, I'm not really on a computer much, so... As far as ranking goes, I'll do it. I'll catch him when someone puts him off. See, now we're both patting each other on the back. You had to throw in the other media guys not to piss off, but we know where you're going first. <laughs> hey, come on, man. <laughs> uh, is it safe at this point that at least for the next year or so you're not going back up to 155? You're you're going to stick around at 145? Yeah, I'm going to stick around 45 for now. Are you done at 155? I would say I'm done. You know, I don't want to close the book on it like that. You know, um, for right now, yeah, I'm sticking with 45 and you know, work my way back to, to the title is my goal. And just to piss you off, I'll ask you this question. What are the chances we see you at 135? You know, right now, not a very big chance, you know. Um, if, if, say, I did win the 45-pound title, then, you know, maybe I could have made a push for, uh, you know, I, I don't know, like, I have three belts in uh, three different weight classes and whatnot. But, you know, since uh, 45 being on my way, I, I don't need to suffer, you know. Could I make the weight? I probably could. It'd definitely be a little more suffering, and I just don't feel like I need to. I, mean, I feel like I can compete at 45 and 55. I don't need to go down to 35 to compete like uh, with those guys. But if 
history was on the line, who knows what's up. But you know, it's uh, that's the thing because I mean, I would think you would get a, if not immediate, one fight away from a title shot. Does that interest you? I like I said, if I had, if there was more on the line, then maybe, but not not just start to go down there for that. Um, as of right now, no, that's all I can say. I don't know. I guess I get persuaded easily sometimes. By my coaches. Right. <laughs> what are you doing in, in, like, you know, now that you're kind of in limbo waiting for a fight? Do you still go to the gym all the time? Are you still as active, or do you take some time off now? No, I'm in a gym. That's what I do, you know. Um, obviously traveling for, you know, certain events here and there, but for the most part, I'm in the gym. I've got teammates coming up with fights. and I mean, i got nothing else to do, you know. I like to, uh, I like to train, so I might just sit around. I'm not, not one to sit around. You know, we had uh, a great interview. My colleague Dave Doyle spoke to Marlon Moraes, and uh, he gave you a lot of props as far as just motivation and being an inspiration to him. How good could this guy be? He's fighting in a couple weeks for World Series of Fighting. Uh, under the radar a bit, but got some attention after beating Miguel Torres. How good can he be? Ah, uh, man, the, roof, the sky's the limit for him. He's uh, super athletic, picks up you know, things very well, and... Uh, yeah, I think he's one of the top 35 pounders. You know, you just need to start believing it. And I think we're going to see him on top of that that, that list soon. Do you ever uh, consider going outside of New Jersey or the New York area to, you know, train with other people and whatnot? You know, it seems like at some point everyone kind of dabbles in that. Or are you happy with where you're at? Yeah, I'm happy with where I'm at, you know. <clears throat> um, you never know what happened. But, uh, you know, last year Ricardo was, had, was helping out his brother in, uh, out in Orange County and, you know, train out there a little bit with some guys. So uh, you never know where I'll end up. But, uh, you know, New Jersey's my home, New York, New Jersey. I'll be training here. Team Henzo, Ricardo Almeida forever. I have a, a feeling I know what you're going to say here, but just because I'm asking some people on the show today, and it's obviously a hot topic, GSP, Nick Diaz, who are you picking? Yeah, and, you know, I'm, I'm obviously, you know, good friends with George. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm cool with Diaz brothers too, but uh, I just think George is, uh, you know, we train together, share a lot of the same coaches. I think he's going uh, to take that one. Do you think he wins uh, via a finish of sorts, or is it a decision? Do you think he can stop Diaz? Uh, you know, Diaz is so tough, man. I think it'd be tough to stop him. But, uh, you know, I think he'll get the win, though. When are we going to see you back, Frankie? When do you think? In the summertime? Yeah, I think summertime's ideal. All right. You know, uh, June, July, something like that. We look what forward about to this New York? Is this New York going to happen? Uh, oh, you, man. You know? Well, why 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 aren't they why aren't they trotting you out there in Albany? Or you you kind of did that already, right? Yeah, I, I went I went I did that parade already. I guess you could say. <laughs> now it's Chris Weidman's turn. Right, right. Hey, so would Good. you if they told you like because this is going to happen in June, right? I mean, it has to happen before June. That's when the calendar ends. If they said you know if they haven't booked you or if they feel like it's going to happen and they said, well, we're going to wait till November the twentieth anniversary. We want you on the card. Would you wait that long or would you rather fight before then? I'd rather fight June, July, and then fight in November okay. also. I'd like to try to do that. Okay. But that that's, I mean, I feel like for every tri-state area fighter, that's a goal, right, to fight at MSG, especially the first one? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I've been obviously lobbying for it, you know, in the past. And, uh, you know, that's, that's one of the main reasons I want to fight in the guard. You know, I train at Hendel literally right across the street from there. So uh, yep. I'd love to be able to, uh, you know, get on that guard. Last thing before we let you go, what's it like over uh, Jersey Shore these days? I mean, as far as the cleanup process, the rejuvenation of the area, how's it looking? You know, it's getting better. Seaside uh, said the, the St. Patrick's Day Parade, there's a bunch of people over there, but the boardwalk's still being built. You know, they're, uh, they're getting things done. You know, the houses around the water around here are still just, you know, going through the, uh, the hardships of getting back to their feet and getting money from insurance companies and whatnot, but we're getting back on our feet. 
Do you think come summertime, everything will be back to normal, or that's too soon? Yeah, I don't think it'll, it'll be normal, but I think Seaside will be open. Um, you know, the boardwalk supposedly has a deadline and has to be done by. So this summer, I think, uh, you know, some places will be a little limited and, you know, with their availability and what they can open up. But, uh, you know, most for the most part, we'll be able to go over the bridge and hang out on the beach. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Well, that is, that is very good news. Looking forward to that as well. Frankie, always a pleasure to talk to you. Good luck in uh, your next fight against uh, whoever it is. We don't know. Maybe it's Cubs, someone else. And uh, I'm sure we'll be talking to you before then. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Bob. Take care. There he is. Frankie, the answer, Edgar, the former UFC lightweight champion, now a fighter in the featherweight division. Looking for the fight against Cub Swanson. I think it's a, it's a fight that makes sense for him, certainly. I think it makes sense for Cub. Unfortunately, it was supposed to. That was the plan to have it, uh, the, the, the main event of the Ultimate Fighter finale, which is on uh, April 13th. The real main event, or the original main event, was... Uh, the man you heard from last week on the show, Demetrius Johnson, uh, he was supposed to fight John Moraga for the UFC flyweight title, got injured, um, and was forced to withdraw from the fight. And I actually spoke to DJ on Friday. He told me that the surgery went well, um, shoulder surgery, torn labrum, um, and he has a post-op visit on Friday of this week to find out how long he'll be out for, the rehab process, et cetera, et cetera. So we still don't know when he'll be back, but that was supposed to be the main event. They then came and asked uh, Frankie if he'd be willing to fight Cub Swanson. He agreed. Cub told me that he had a, a foot issue um, that was precluding him from getting into shape and thus losing the weight. And, and so he said, thanks, but no thanks. But hopefully we'll see that fight because as far as the rankings go, I, I definitely think it makes the most sense for both guys. Frankie coming off the losses, Cub looking so good. It's one of those rare instances where the guy who is coming off a loss, actually it feels like in a weird way his stock has been raised. It feels like people appreciate Frankie way more now than they ever did, even though he's not the champion, even though he's coming off a loss. And Cub has been looking so good as of late. It just kind of makes sense. So it's one of those rare times where there's a, a guy who's coming off a winning streak, a losing streak, yet the fight actually makes sense. So Frankie Edgar, Cub Swanson, let's, let's see it happen. In a few minutes, in around three minutes, we are going to be joined by Stefan Bonner in what is uh, his first interview since his uh, suspension, testing positive um, for the steroid Jostanilon. Did I say that correctly? I always mispronounce that. I think so, yeah. It, well, what do you know about steroids? Well, you were either asking me or asking... No, it was more... Uh, I'm happy you chimed in, but it, it was more of a, uh, you know, just kind of throwing it out there to the team. But you think it is. You think that's how you pronounce it. I mean, I certainly do. the way it's spelled, you would think that's it. Jostanolon? Jostanolon. 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 yeah. Loan. Maybe loan. Maybe it's loan. It's an anabolic steroid at the end of the day. That's all you really need to know. Second time he tested positive for a steroid. He was fined, suspended for a year by the UFC, who was the, uh, the athletic commission in Brazil. And uh, he hasn't talked since then. And that was back in October. Of course, he retired after the fight as well. We haven't heard much from him. Uh, been inactive, really, on Twitter. I mean, a little bit here and there. 
um, had a kid recently. So a lot going on in the, in the world of Stefan Bonner. Been trying to get him on the show for a very long time and looking forward to talking to him. After that, we're going to be talking to Mark Hunt from... Australia. It's 6 a.m. in Australia. By the time we talk to him, it'll be 6 a.m. there. And uh, looking forward to talking to him. What a crazy, crazy, crazy week it has been for Mark Hunt. Uh, Overeem gets injured, asks for the fight. Dana says he turns down the fight. Then he gets the fight against Junior Dos Santos. We broke the news Saturday morning, early Saturday morning. And here he is about to fight Junior Dos Santos at UFC 160. And I cannot wait for that. Oh, I just got a text. Well, this is a bummer. Um, I'm sure Eric is about to find out this news right now that I just texted. Maybe he can have a better, maybe I won't, that I would just receive. Um, well, this just rocked my world. Let's see. Let's see what is Eric still on the phone there? Oh yeah, he is. No answer. No answer. Yeah. Uh, well, I just got a text from Stephen Bonner, who uh, has respectfully declined to come on the show. After I guess. Well, I don't want to give his reason out, um, but he has declined to come on the show, so that is a bummer. Wouldn't you say so? Would have been great to hear from him. <laughs> Would you classify that as a bummer? Of course. Yeah. Buzzkill, Brendan. That is a buzzkill. That is that did you notice my 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 mood just dramatically drop after that? After that text. I definitely noticed it. <laughs> and then I was said, I was so you know how long I've been working to get Bonner on the show? And I just wish if he couldn't come on the show just would have told me and I never, I never would have does this mean we have to put Stefan Bonner on the ban list I think so that thing is where is that thing we still we're gonna have to dust it off yeah it's been collecting a little bit of dust I'm not quite sure if anyone's still left on it well I can think of a couple people who probably post-mortem deserve to be on it um this is a bummer how about this I was going to announce after the Mark Hunt interview, uh, we were going to have Caesar Gracie on the show, right? Uh, that is a late edition, edition. He tweeted that he will be joining us at 320. Uh, do you want to call Caesar and ask him to come on? I'll give him a call. Okay. Uh, bummer. Well... I apologize for that. I, I was looking forward to that interview as as much as any on the show this week. And hopefully we'll be able to get him on. Hopefully we'll be able to get him on quite soon. But he literally, literally texted me a minute ago as I was looking at my phone to see what the time was and said, uh, unfortunately, he'll be able to, to, to unable to join us on this week's show. bummer well that's that apologies for that i hate as you know i hate there's nothing more that i that i than i hate uh advertising someone and them not showing up but i could show you the text right now although i don't want to uh it was it was signed sealed and delivered and we thought we were going to have him and he just canceled literally a minute ago so 
all's well that ends well for us. Hopefully we'll get uh, Cesar Gracie on, and he was supposed to be on at 320. Well, we'll have him on now, of course. It is UFC 158 week, and all our focus uh, is on that. And, of course, the main event is the talk of the MMA world. It feels like a big fight. It feels like a big deal. It feels like one of those... Those, those those moments, you know, like this is the fight that you get your friends, you want to watch, you'll be talking, debating before and after. It's just very exciting. Um, and I think we're all looking forward to it. And then after the conference call on Thursday, which was the first time, and I'm not sure, with all due respect to John Danaher, uh, saying that George doesn't know what MF or means, eh, I'm not sure about that one. But that's what he said, so I'll take him for his word. Um, but still, after that, it was fascinating and would like to talk about that and many other things pertaining to that fight with Caesar Gracie himself, and he joins us right now on the show. Caesar, how are you? Great. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on uh, a bit early. We appreciate it. Uh, I know you were listening to the conference call, or at least some of it, because you were tweeting about it. What did you think of it? Um, I think... Uh kind of entertaining it was kind of crazy actually you know i was just I, I listened to about half of it and then i was just like oh my god this thing's out of control i kind of just quit listening to it and then i got the other updates later you know i was busy doing other stuff at home so it's one of those things was it out of control in a good way because i mean it seemed like everyone exploded when they heard this and we're still kind of buzzing over it was this a good thing for the promotion for the fighters or did you not like the way it turned out well, I mean, for the promotion, I think ultimately it was a good thing because it kind of hyped it. it. It showed, you know, the the volatility of this fight, and it showed what a uh, the, the, they're going to go to war. I mean, even for me, I was listening, you know, when I was listening, oh my god, man, Nick's all pissed off and GSP's pissed off, and I'm I'm expecting a great fight. But besides all the hype and everything, I don't even, for me personally, you know, I know that these guys are great martial artists, and I think that's the point Nick was trying to make. You know that he he deserves this fight as a martial artist, and that, that's something that's very important to him. And, and you know, a lot of people they don't it, Nick expresses himself a little bit differently than than some, so it was kind of hard to follow if you're not used to that. But I, I think what he was trying to say is that he should be respected as a martial artist, and uh, and and so forth. And that's why he's actually going to be in this fight. It's not because he's a the way they portrayed him as a bad guy. In the, in the videos and everything as uh, as he was portrayed, you know, to hype the fight up. I, I think he wasn't too pleased with that. So I, I don't, I really don't think he was trying to put GSP down was the thing, you know, he was trying to clarify himself, but, you know, like I said, um, Nick, Nick's uh, expresses himself a little bit differently. And then you've got GSP who's um, English is not a first language. So it, it became kind of funny as it kind of spiraled out of control a little bit. And then these guys just, started to get angry and so forth. Uh, do you think GSP respects him as a martial artist? I think he does. I mean, I think GSP is training really hard for this fight because he's going to look at Nick. I mean, Nick is so multi-talented. The guy has phenomenal hands. He, uh, on the ground, he's a monster, Nick is. And, uh, you know, so wherever the fight goes, Nick is very comfortable. With, if he gets taken down... And uh, if they stand and bang, uh, um, it, it's one of those things where, where Nick is good all around. And, and I think GSP does does understand how dangerous Nick is. Were you expecting that? Like, Because the, the question I asked him on the conference call was, it seems like he's been out for a year. 
and mm-hmm. there, there's a lot that's been bottled up, and now here it is. And and I thought, you know, like I said, I thought if you actually listened to what he was saying, it all sort of made sense. At times he went off on tangents and whatnot, but it, it wasn't nonsensical rambling. Were you expecting him to, to unleash all of that on the call? Uh, you know, Nick is uh, he's not really a PC person. It's funny because the, the call, he had left the house. And I, I think he was shopping or something. He was, I, I don't know, he, he was somewhere and uh, randomly making this phone call while he's at a grocery store or something like that. You know, he, he wasn't at home doing this call, and he wasn't at the gym. So he was, he was doing something. And then Nick is going to express himself exactly how he feels. And uh, that, that's just the way it, it is. I wasn't expecting that kind of a call. No, I wasn't. Uh, you know, I'm wondering, and I've said this on this show, it feels to me like the guy who fought at UFC 137, the guy who fought at 143, it just felt like a subdued version of Nick Diaz. And this feels like the Nick Diaz that we've all grown to love and appreciate. He, he is who he is. He's this character that is very much different than anyone else. And the guy who came back to the UFC, the, 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 the first two fights before the suspension, he felt, I don't know, it, it felt like packaged, like he was almost hypnotized. Do you know what I'm talking about? Am I making any sense here? This feels like the original, the, the authentic Nick Diaz. No, I, I think I know what you're talking about. This is the much more, um, how would I describe it, like uh, volatile and uh, you know, just just ready to ex- express himself and everything. Nick Diaz, that you know, a lot of people don't don't remember back in the day, or, or maybe didn't follow his career in, in uh, some strike force shows or something like that. Mm. Um, yeah, that's what it looks like. It looks like the old Nick is back and and, and that old aggressive style. So that's a good thing in your in your opinion. Well, you know, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things. Um, I think he did great in his fight against BJ Penn, like like uh, we talked about. Even Condit's fight, I thought he was very, uh, I think he was focused and controlled and everything. Um, I will say for this fight, Nick is in much better shape than either of those two fights. He is he's prepared for the uh, the last couple of fights. He, you know, Nick Diaz is always a, a phenomenal athlete and everything. However, he is in better shape now. He's this is the the trained that Nick Diaz. This is the guy that you know. The I remember back in the day because I've been with Nick since he was sixteen. You know, he, well, he's been in my school, and um, you know, I remember the guy, the endless training hours, the the craziness that used to happen back in the day. And this is this feels more like that to me. You know, for for the other fights, the guy didn't really train as hard at all. Hmm. As for the fight, that's why I'm so excited about it. It's going to be because you know GSP always comes in shape. He's a tremendous athlete. He's probably the most explosive athlete in mixed martial arts today. The, the guy is all about training. Um, and then again, he's a black belt in jujitsu. He's got really good striking. The, the guy has. He's a champion. What can I say? You know, that's why he is the champion. He's the best. Uh, he's the best welterweight the UFC has ever had. So, so you have to come in this kind of ph- phenomenal shape to be able to to fight a guy like that, and that's where Nick is. That's why I'm so excited for this fight. How does Nick beat him, though? Because you know, other than the freak Matt Serra fight, he's looked rather mm-hmm. unbeatable. GSP has in the UFC. So, w- when you try to envision how this fight is going to play out, how do you see Nick beating him? Well, you know, Nick has the tools to beat him. He's got the, uh, like I said, the, the submission game. Nick's submission game is, is phenomenal. And it's very hard to prep for a guy like Nick because he does things that you don't expect when you're grappling with him. His, his game is very, very uh, unique. 
and his stand-up style is different also. So it, it's one of those things, and you, you mentioned about GSP, but, you know, look at GSP last night. He almost got knocked out. You know, he got dropped with the head kick, and he got pounded on the ground, and um, Honda was very close to, to maybe uh, winning that fight on that round by, uh, by knocking him out. So, you know, these guys... Nobody's the Superman. Let's face it. There's there's really good people, but nobody's Superman. At any point, um, someone can be dethroned, and uh, that's what we're hoping for. Uh, when you think about this setting, when you think about uh, Montreal, Georgia's beloved in Canada, and it's his hometown, are you concerned that anything's going to happen? Do you do you feel like you need some extra security or anything of that sort? No, I mean Canadians are. <laughs> much subdued, you know, but, um, I mean, you know, and that's not a bad thing. What, what I'm saying is, is, uh, we're not getting threats or anything like that. As a matter of fact, we've got a, a ton of fans in Canada and, uh, it's been great. You know, these guys have gone to Canada a lot. They've done a lot of seminars, appearances, gone to support fighters up there. And we've got a, a really good base of fans up there. So that's very encouraging. And, um, and that's just not something we're worried about. What happened with the whole flight situation? You tweeted Dana White that you wanted uh, Nick to get an upgrade first class. He didn't take too kindly to that. Where did that come from? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think people make a, a bigger deal out of something than it is. You know, I, I put that tweet out there. You know, I, I'll, I'll post something like that because I, I just think, you know, I, I think of these huge mega million-dollar fights, and I'm thinking, you know, Maybe this guy should have business class going to the fight instead of coach. That's that's just the way I think about it. I don't know. I, I'd like to see the uh, not Nick Diaz only, but all these athletes that are doing main event fights and and making the kind of money that they're making for for Zufa. It, it'd be nice to see him treated accordingly. You know, like get him a nice flight, at least business class, not coach all the way to Montreal from. Sacramento or whatever Nick's flying out of, you know, but it's not a big deal. You know, it's whatever. Uh, so is he getting the first class fight or the business class fight? Not from, not from Zufa. He's not. As a matter of fact, uh, Dana's words to me were, <laughs> what, what were they exactly? It was that whole, um, I talked to him on the phone and, uh, you know, he called me up about something else when we were talking and he's, he said, man, that you want him to get you tweet, you called me out on Twitter like that. <laughs> You're, you're mm -hmm. lucky if I get him a Greyhound bus. <laughs> he gets he gets frustrated with with these guys sometimes, you know, because they don't really play the game the way he likes them to play and everything. And uh, he kind of goes off a little bit. And obviously, you know, he comes up from his perspective. I'm going to come in it from my perspective. At the end of the day, it's not it's not a terrible thing, but it, you know, we just have both different opinions. You seem to like, on Twitter sometimes, I mean, you seem to like to stir the pot. Let's call it like we see it, right? You you enjoy that. Well, you know, well, for sure. You know, everybody, it's it's just, um, you got to have fun in the sport, and you got to say what, what you think is true and, and put your ideas out there. You know, it's, that's what's great about uh, being able to express yourself, I guess, you know. I'm going to have my opinion. And you're gonna, I'm going to put my opinion out there. And a lot of people like that. A lot of people hate it. And at the end of the day, it's makes things more memorable. Who wants a boring fight, a boring this, a boring talk to about this? You know, people like to get involved in MMA, you know, and, and, and we're, our camp has always been not, not just myself, but a lot of people, including the Diaz's or, or someone, you know, other, all the fighters and everything and, and, and so forth in my camp, we, we have no trouble uh, expressing ourselves. If Nick Diaz never knew Cesar Gracie, would he be a different person 
Meaning, did you rub off um, on him a little bit? Is he an extension of you? No, he's his own man, hundred percent. You know, he does things, and and a lot of people they they come in. Why don't you do this? Or why don't Caesar? How come Nathan's doing this? It's just like, man, I'm. You don't understand. I'm his jujitsu trainer. I, I manage the guy, certain things and everything. But the guy is one hundred percent Nick Diaz. It's you know, I mean, we both be different people, I guess. You know, because people influence each other, but. But uh, yeah, he, he, he Nick's gonna do what he's gonna do. That's just the way he is. And um, I've kind of learned to kind of, yeah, I try to kill myself trying to change that in the beginning. Nick, you gotta do it this way. You gotta do it this way. No, man, this is you know. But but Nick is gonna do what he's gonna do, and that's just okay. That's the way it is. Does Nick Diaz hate GSP? Um, I don't think he hates GSP. I think there's a lot of things that he doesn't appreciate about the image of GSP. And um, I think that he was trying to convey that in uh, the call also. I don't think he hates him at all on a personal level. He really doesn't know him enough to hate him. I think uh, Nick comes from the, the, the background where these other guys, the, the mentalities of the, you know, like maybe BJ Penn or someone like that, that martial arts is supposed to be like this. And, and, you know, you're going to be more technical and you're going to know more. And, and, and the other guys are, are maybe more, look, you're going to be stronger or you're going to, I don't know. It's just, it's like some fundamental philosophical differences, I think, that he doesn't like about GSP. And uh, and I think that's what that's what the, the class is, if you will. But uh, I don't know. He doesn't hate him. You know, it was interesting. One of the big points of contention on the call was, oh, you know, GSP being pampered and whatnot. And it was funny because uh-huh. he tweeted that video of himself hitting the speed bag for 23 minutes, and it's mesmerizing to watch that. I mean, his cardio is off the charts. He seems to be in amazing shape. But you had to chuckle at the end, Richard Perez is actually literally toweling him off after the whole thing, and he was just sort of right. making fun of, of GSP. You, you know what I'm saying? It was, it was, obviously, we know, you know people help him out, give him water, but it was just sort of funny a couple right. of days later to well, see that. No, no, no. I, uh, you know, a quick thing about that, though. The funny thing about that, and I was there that day, by the way, is that's after Nick sparred for six rounds against a really good pro and did a, 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 another workout hitting mitts and then hit the bag for... It was longer than 23 minutes. At 23 minutes is when the guy started filming. You know, that's the, the wow. crazy thing. That that was the end of like. I mean, he had worked out at least. I mean, double that over an hour straight of just craziness, and then you guys got the tail end. Now, as far as wiping someone off, the thing is, is you can't wipe yourself off when you've got boxing gloves on. Good point. You know, whatever. Good point. You know. And, and so he'll do that a lot. I don't know. Did he have boxing gloves on for that? I mean, sometimes you just do that with wraps or whatever. But, you know, usually uh, uh, your, your boxing coach is just used to wiping, you know, your face off or whatever because there's so much sweat in your eyes or something. And generally you have boxing gloves on. So the boxing uh, coach is just used to that because you can't wipe yourself off. I'm looking at the video right now, and I do – and I'm not trying to whatever, but he's actually doing it barehanded. Nothing. No wraps yeah. or gloves. No, no, right on. But you know what I'm saying about the sure. boxing coach. Yes, with the, of course. He's always, it's he's almost like that. Instinctual. You know, yeah, it is. It's like, okay, I, I, here, you're, you're done here. Let me wipe off your face. It's because usually you've got boxing gloves on when you're sparring or, or hitting the mitts or anything, and your coach always grabs that because you can't do it yourself. So, yeah, but right on. I, I don't, if, if that's pampered, then whatever. <laughs> no, I, I think he deserves <laughs> it. I mean, I think they both deserve to be towed off. I mean, they're, they're, they're high-level fighters. A couple more things before we let you go. What happened with the countdown show? It seemed like a bit of a he said, she said. They, did Nick really miss 
you know, opportunities to be interviewed? Did, um, he, did, did, did the UFC really lose money over this? I think a, a lot of stuff gets blown out of proportion, and, and a lot of stuff isn't, like, you know, everybody, oh, man, Dana White, you know, or, or whatever, Caesar Casey or something like that, but sometimes there's just little things. Like, I'll give you an example. You mentioned the conference call, and uh, what's the first thing they said? You know, they thanked everybody but yeah. for yeah. being on a call, <laughs> and then Dana White goes, as usual, and then Nick's like, hello? But, you know, yeah, it was so, great. So, sometimes, you know, he's got so many things he's doing that he's not even in the loop a lot of times of what's going on. And and literally, uh, when they finished Nick, you know, doing the, the countdown show, it's like he doesn't even know they finished Nick. It's not like he, you know, there, there's just a lot of little things. You know, he's thinking, oh, my God, he, he missed three times or something. It is true that Nick did not go for the first uh, <clears throat> two times, I think it was, but it's just... You know, it, it's it's one of those things where like Nick has his training schedule. He's he's like this. I'm going to do this today, this and this. And if if the countdown show wants to follow him doing it, that's great. But he is not going to change that schedule before a fight to do countdown show. You know, to okay, look, I'm going to put my training aside and pretend I'm training over here. You know, because they'll want you to. These guys come out sometimes and they want you to, okay, well, here, why don't you hit the bag, hit this, and they literally tell you what how you're going to train and what they want to catch on film, and then they want to go to your house and film you. And, and all of that takes away a whole day training. And, and Nick was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that, you know, that type of a thing. <clears throat> and then they, they caught him on the, the third day, I think it was. But, yeah, yeah, so but there's, a, there's a lot of things, and at the end of the day, it's not as a, a big a deal as it comes out to be, you know? Mm-hmm. But uh, he got it done. That was the important thing. Last question before I let you go, Caesar, and we appreciate the time. Uh, when will sure. you be with uh, with with Nick in Montreal? Are you going there with him? And do you have to sort of just because we've been through this with the media stuff and all that? I mean, on fight week, he's generally good and and uh, very accommodating. But will you be there to sort of make sure that everything goes smoothly leading up to Saturday night? Um. Yeah, he leaves. I think I want to say tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah, I'm pretty sure tomorrow morning, and uh, I go Thursday. I think it is. So, but but we've got other people going. Richard Perez will leave Tuesday night. I think he gets in Wednesday, so get there a day before me. Uh, a couple of other guys are going to go with Nick, and and like I said, he's an adult, and uh, he'll be fine. He, he's you know he'll, he'll do what he's got to do and everything. That Nick's. Nick, Nick will be good like that, so I won't, I won't. Nobody has to hold his hand or anything out there. All right. Well, best of luck to you guys. Uh, looking forward to it very much. Can't wait for the fight. It's one of the fights we've been looking forward to for years. Finally, we're going to see it happen. Nick Diaz, GSP, Saturday night in Montreal. Caesar will be there. Everyone will be watching, and, uh, and and we're looking forward to it. Can't wait. Thank you so much for stopping by, Caesar. Really appreciate it. See you in Montreal. Thank you, guys. Take care. All right. Bye. There he is, Caesar Gracie, the brains behind. Uh, Nick Diaz, Nate Diaz, and that whole great team. Really appreciate him stopping by on short notice. Looking forward to seeing what they can come up with come Saturday night in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Okay, let's move along now. Uh, He was supposed to come on earlier. Now he's coming on. So honored to have him on the show. Pleased that he decided to come on the show. He is Stefan Bonner joining us on the MMA Hour. Stefan, how are you? What's up, Ariel? I'm all right. Yourself? Good to have you on the show. It's been a while. And uh, certainly, yeah. we, 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 we've wanted to talk. Uh, I'll ask at the top, why have you been so quiet over the last few months? Um, just out of respect for Dana and Lorenzo, I'm just kind of respectfully pissing off. And uh, I'm really, you know, um, it, it's, it's just been hard to deal with this and forgive myself. And 
yeah, it's just been really hard. And even coming on here and talking, it's like, yeah, I don't want to spend all the time talking about the negative stuff. I got, uh, you know, something exciting going on this weekend up in Tahoe. Uh, it's going to be a bunch of our UFC fighters, including me and Ferris up there at the Harris Tahoe to, uh, you know, hang out with us, watch the fights. Um, you know, I think believe for us and maybe some karaoke, maybe some stand-up comedy too. So it'll be a good time. Just wanted to get that out there and say, if you're in that area, uh, Lake Tahoe, Harris, come along. Um, Jay here on Mike Pyle is going to be there. A um, couple other guys, big list of fighters, but uh, yeah, uh, me and Forrest together again, and we're always a good time. And we'll be sure to plug that before you go as well. Of course, have to ask some of the questions because this is the first time, I believe, um, that you have talked since everything went down post UFC 153. In your opinion, was this fair? I mean, did you test positive for a steroid? Is that is that accurate? <laughs> um, yeah, it's accurate. So um, it's it's just it's just frustrating because here's the thing. Uh, I mean, a simple Google search will tell you that you know the detection for that particular one is between like uh, one and two months. Uh, right? And like I, I took this fight. I had I had like exactly three weeks to train, train for it and 35 pounds to lose. You really think after I heard out that I was going to get this fight, I went and, <laughs> you know, took something like that's going to be in my system for sure? Like, no. I mean, the truth of the matter is I've been out of, uh, I've been out of action for a long time and I've been holding out trying to get the big fights and uh there was one coming. I, you know, met with Dana multiple times and he told me straight up, like, what you're asking for is this coach in the show you're in, it's not gonna happen, you know? I think you should retire. And and we kinda both came to agree agreement that yeah, the best thing for me to do is retire. Now over this last year, I've uh got a couple of stem cell procedures on my knee where they go in the air pelvis, take a lot of that blood out, take a pocket of fat out like a mini lipo, and shoot it back up into your nose. Dr. Ford or Dr. Purita did that. I've done twice over the last year. And the best thing to do to get that done is, is not do anything. Don't take time off. Don't stress it. I don't have fight. I'm retired. I'm like, gave up on fighting and kind of coming to grips with I'm not going to fight again. So, um, um, yeah, I've never been out of the gym for, for as long as I had been. And, you know, when it was time, um, you know, after the second stem cell procedure, I gave it a couple months just to let it run its course and hopefully feel better. Then it was time to, you know, hopefully make my five body feel better again. And, um, and uh, yeah, I, I just want, I want my joints to feel better, you know. And um, believe it or not, it's... it's <laughs> There are some therapeutic uses to, um, you know, some of the bad substances. And, uh, and, yeah, bottom line, I wanted to get my strength back so that I was very weak and my body not feel good. My joints didn't feel good. So that was my goal, to start training again. Yeah, you know, I, I want to get back in the gym, help other guys get ready, and just make it a part of my life again. And I was coming to grips with the fact that I, I wasn't going to fight again. And, you know... Yeah, I got a call to fight Anderson. Uh, I had three weeks to train for it, and uh, 135 pounds to lose. So, did you keep taking it? In a nutshell. Did you keep taking it after you got the call? Um, yeah, right. Well, crazy that for the minimum time, it's, it's 
detectable at least a month. Like, why would I take something that's going to show up? You know, like, no, of course, I thought I wouldn't. You know? so I you thought it would be so, out. So it came, it, it, this was something that was in your system before you got the call. Once you got the call, you were off anything that was illegal. Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, it seemed like you hesitated there for a second. Was, is that not? I just want to make sure I have the story accurate. No, I have my wife here saying, oh. shut up. Oh. We're talking. You're just digging your grave butter. You know, she told me if you can talk about it, make it short and sweet. And, you know, she just doesn't want it, you know, all over the internet and, you know, going to. It's just, it's hard. It's so touchy, you know? It's hard to, you know, come out and talk about this uh, and, and actually get anything positive come of it. It just, I know, I know it's not going to be crucified and it just, it's been really hard, you know, like the, the day the news came out, I had my baby and, and, you know, like, like what a joyous day. Right. And right. first you know, baby picture I put up, um, you know, I'm so excited that, you know, like my baby son is, is, is here in this world. Like, God, what a day. And put a baby picture up and, you know, you have all these comments underneath it about, you know, cheater and steroids and all that. I mean, it just, I mean, things like that really hurt. So, uh, it just, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's been hard. And I could totally sympathize with that, not trying to dig you into a deeper hole, as you say. Um, but I'm, I'm just curious, and this is sort of outside of it, it seemed like when Dana White spoke about it, I mean, he has a lot of respect for you. You're kind of him and Forrest, it seems like, you and Forrest, excuse me, it seems like you're almost like uh, kids to him yeah, in a way. That was the hardest thing, too, you know, because there's no way. If, like, I thought there was any possibility of it showing up, like I would have taken the, the fight. And and um, just, uh, you know, I finally get the opportunity. I've been begging for in vain for so long. Not only do I go out there, and I thought I'd put on a better fight than that, but then have something like this happen. Um, I just feel like, God, God, you know, like I, uh, like I really, like, like I came into his house and took a shit on his carpet. I mean, it, it just, it just kills me, you know, that, like, come on, Dan, give me this opportunity, and then I go make him look like that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, I'm, you know, I'm really sorry. Yeah. Dana and Lorenzo, I love those guys. And like, you know, the first time, um, being in the UFC, I was yours. I've been, I've been trying so hard to, to, um, you know, to, to be a part of the UFC. Like I want to be a part of the UFC more than anything. I've always thought it was like the coolest thing ever. And, and like, and, and I worked really hard outside of the octagon with all the TV work I've done, the merchandising and, you know, the parents and uh, all the PR and going around talking to kids at schools and going to the boys' home and all that, like, because that was really important to me, you know, just to be a part of the UFC and in ways other than going in there and fighting. And and that's been the hardest thing for me. Like, I, uh, like I've worked so hard over the years doing all those things to, to, to kind of give myself a home in the UFC outside of the actual fighting part of it. And I feel like I ruined that. And, and I let down Dana and... Uh, yeah, I've been hard to forgive myself. Do you regret taking the fight? Um, no. I mean, it was uh, it was like the opportunity I always dreamed of. So it was. Yeah, I mean, now in hindsight, looking at it, like, yeah, probably wouldn't have better if I didn't. But at the time, thinking like, you know, that that like, God, thank God, I stopped taking that stuff. You know, a few weeks ago, like, you know, every expert I talked to, 
you know, said it, you know, shouldn't show up. And yeah, I was worried about it, but uh, I thought, um, you know, I thought things would work out, and they did. And now I'm really paying the price. Have you talked to Dana? No, other than when he called me, um, my wife had just started going into labor and gave me the news, and I just strung together a bunch of expletives. And that was pretty much the conversation. He just saying, what, shit, no, fuck, 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 no, no, no. And he so i got to get my wife to the hospital. We'll talk later. And that was it. That's all I talked to Dave. You know, you. Are, I think you'll still be a part of the, obviously, the history of the sport and the UFC and whatnot. But do you feel like they've turned their back on you at this point? Uh, it's, no. I, I feel like the... the, the the best thing for me to do is to respectfully piss off. You know, it's not to sit there. Oh, come on, Dana, give me another chance. Let me be like, no, I, I fucked up and, um, put my tail between my legs and leave you guys alone for a while. I mean, that's, that's the lot of respect for them. That's the least I can do. Do you think at some point you'll be, you'll be able to repair the relationship and be back, you know, doing whether it's a TV stuff, promo, et cetera, who knows what you wanted to do for them upon retiring, but are you hopeful I, that will happen? I don't know. I, I, I hope so. I don't know, though. What have you been doing since then? Um, Other than being a father, of course. Uh, yeah, mainly that. Uh, yeah, mainly that. So, um, yeah, it's been hard. It's like one of those things where, uh, you know, no one wants anything to do with you. Even like the fact that I got this, you know, appearance lined up this weekend, and uh, it should be good, and and great. I'm, you know, good with the fans. Have a good time. Me and Forrest, you know, um, always are good together. And uh, so, uh, yeah, but it's been tough. Like, yeah, you know, people really don't want to have anything to do with you after something like this happens. Yeah, I, I mentioned That's this. My experience. I mentioned this to you even before the fight, even before the fight, before the fight against Anderson, how you seem to be one of those guys who was really setting up for life after the UFC with all kinds of businesses, the T-shirts, you know, the, the memorabilia and whatnot. How's that going? Yeah, um, well, not so well. I've kind of, yeah, um, people really want your business with me right now. I'm, I'm a bad name. You know, I'm the bad guy right now. And um, it's it just, I got to, you know, just deal with it and move on and, and it sucks and hurts, but yeah, it's the reality of the situation. The worst thing about it, all this stuff, you know, I tried to do to, you know, get my body feeling all right. Like, like I said, I've, uh, you know, if you ask Dr. Sanders, um, you know, who his best uh, customer is out of UFC fighters, he's the orthopedic guy for the UFC, it's me. If you ask Dr. Seuss, who's he giving the most stitches to, it's me. And, you know, despite all these things I've tried to do to get my body to feel good, it's still, even that, it's backfired on me. And I'm, you know, scheduled to have another knee surgery here in a couple of weeks. So um, it's just, yeah. And, you know, I had a last one in 2010, and it felt terrible before that, and it never really got better from that. So um, I don't know. It's, you know, I wanted to do anything I could to avoid surgery now. It's uh, really my only option. And, and, uh, it just, it just sucks. It just sucks. So, what kind of feedback are you getting from fans? I mean, I'm sure when you go on Twitter after this, you'll see it's it's actually positive. Uh, at, yeah, but, 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 I'm sure that's like limit my time on that. And I mean, okay. just everything. Like I, I, I helped start um, this charity called Garrett's Fight, and Garrett uh, Holly, he's a martial artist with Down syndrome in Fort Florida, and it's a really inspiring story of really how he he didn't have. 
really a lot. He graduated from high school and kind of fell only depressed kid playing video games in the basement. His dad would, you know, call people and beg him to come hang out with Garrett. And um, it's... It wasn't going so well. And then his dad, uh, you know, brought his three sons to the martial arts gym, and she, Garrett, fell in love with it. And fast forward a couple of years, he's, he's um, you know, lost 40 pounds. He's in really good shape. He knows about good nutrition. Um, he's, uh, you know, really got a handle. Uh, rheumatoid arthritis is, uh, you know, one of the things that Down, the Down syndrome suffer from. So that's just training, being better, safe, being stronger has helped us. I was trying to feel a lot better, and he belongs. You know, he teaches the kids' classes. He plugs gym memberships. So we started this charity so the kids with special needs could come participate in martial arts and just see. Maybe it isn't something they love to do like he does, but, hey, maybe it is. And maybe, you know, other kids could get a um, get that sense of, like, doing something they're passionate about and belonging to something. He's got a good life now. The kids, the guys at the gym love him. They bring him out with him all the time. He's got friends. He's got a job. He's got, like, something he belongs to. He's healthy in shape. He's really built his confidence. That was one of the things that inspired me when I checked out his Facebook page after first hearing about him. He had videos of him doing a 5K run, and near the end, he's just putting it in, encouraging these other girls to come on and finish strong, and he had leadership qualities. So, you know, me and his dad started this charity, and he had a uh, an exhibition a couple weeks ago down in Florida. So, yeah, I went on, you know, social media to promote that, and, you know, of course, it was all... <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm trying to do something yeah, you're good and raise money for a charity and, and positive. And, you know, there's so many people who have to go and post things about, you know, uh, you're going to teach them to take steroids and be a cheater like you. And, and just, you know, even if you try to do something good, it seems like people like, like, uh, kick it in. So, that's, it's been, kind of sucky, but hey, I went there, we raised a good amount of money, and made it a positive experience, but it's just, like, no matter what kind of good you're trying to do, there's always going to be, like, negativity, and uh, hey, I guess that, you know, going to make you stronger in the long run, but, um, yeah, the more info on that, just go check out garrettsfight.org, and, um, and, yeah, just donate a little something, and help a good cause. Does this make you feel like maybe you need to go outside of MMA, like your future is no longer in this sport from a business perspective, from a future perspective? I mean, yeah, I've, I, I've known that for a long time, though. Like, um, yeah, I wouldn't want to be part of UFC, but, like, I want to keep my options open. I, Yeah, I, I know that there's, you know, money in business and things to be made outside of the whole MMA world. And, yeah, and this whole terrible experience I'm going through has helped me realize that more. Um, one more thing and then we'll let you go and I know we've gone over our time and we appreciate it very much Stefan and uh, again I think if you'd go on social media now you'll see maybe a bit of a different response people are funny like that um, so so again we, we do appreciate it can you clear up did you try to cheat against Anderson did you try to gain an advantage or was this simply poor timing on your part I mean like come on I, I, I'm not I'm not a I'm not a stupid person. Like, I, you know, in the main event, of course I know I'm going to get tested. Like, uh, you really think I got, like, uh, what, I mean, three weeks to train for the fight, 35 pounds to lose. I mean, you really think after I found out I went and took something that would be detectable for a month? Like, that, that makes absolutely no sense, you know? It right. really doesn't. So, for, do you think you'll come? Absolutely not, you know? Are you officially done fighting? I'm, 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 
Go ahead. Sorry. What's that? No, go ahead. Sorry. No, yeah, absolutely not. Like, um, no. <laughs> I know my wife's going to kill me. She doesn't want to talk about this. But, but really, like, there's some things steroids help with. And uh, certain science. A, collagen synthesis. That's where all your tendons and uh, your ligaments are made from even muscle. And from collagen synthesis. That could be enhanced. And, you know, you're going to work to prevent injuries. And two, to help build strength, you know. But, it, it, you know, if you have 35 pounds to lose and you have to do five-minute rounds, all right, like uh, if your goals for that three weeks of training for Andrew Silva is all about losing weight and cardio and conditioning. And they, honestly, steroids aren't going to help with that. Hmm. They're not. They're not going to help with your cardio or to help you uh, lose 35 pounds in, in three and a half weeks. They're not. Do you think you'll ever fight again? No, I doubt it. I mean, even if, like, physically I felt better, um, you know, I, I wouldn't. Uh, oh God, um, yeah. I'm in trouble. With, with, why? With your wife? Why? Okay, last. All right, I gotta go. Ariel. Stefan, just I just want you to promote where you'll be this Saturday. That's it. Before we let you go. All right, um, we'll be in Harris Lake Tahoe. And, you know, there'll be a lot of us there, including me and Forrest. So come out and some karaoke and that comedy. Should be good. Thank you for the time, Stefan. We appreciate it. All right, Ari. I'll talk to you later. There he is. Stefan Bonner stopping by, hopefully not in too much trouble um, with his missus. But we appreciate his time very much. And uh, it seems, based on some of the things you've been writing on, on Twitter, that you do appreciate it as well. Let us go to the Skype machine now and welcome in. Apologies for being a little late. We wanted to give him a little more time to sleep in. That's all. 6.22 a.m. over in Australia. Our next guest, is he, is he ready to join us or not? There he is. I'm here. The Super Samoan himself, <laughs> shirtless. How are you, Mark? I'm good, man. <laughs> What are you doing up so early? Waiting to talk to you. <laughs> uh, you wake up early for me. That's so nice. I appreciate it. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, well, thank you for stopping by. Is that a bit of a shiner under your right eye over there? Yeah. It's, uh, I, shouldn't, I should listen to my wife, you know. <laughs> what happened? She hit you? <laughs> <laughs> no. Nah, I thought you guys were at yeah, Shangri-La it's... last weekend. Well, it was. Yeah, that's why I got this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got what 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 a crazy few days for you. It has been unbelievable. From Overeem getting injured, you saying you want the fight, Dana saying you turned down the fight, to you getting the fight against Junior Dos Santos. Explain to us what exactly happened. Overeem getting injured, in your world, take us into it. What happened here? Um, well, I think it's, it's, uh, what happened was just a good opportunity for me. I mean. It's a bad news that uh, Alistair, Alistair got injured, but um, you know I'm so glad for the opportunity. I, I was was lucky to get the opportunity to fight um, with uh, with Santos. So good news for me. <laughs> so you said you wanted the fight. You told me I'm down. I, I've been born down. You know this, and people were getting excited. Rally for Mark Hunt. I mean, the place was going nuts all over the internet, social media, and then Dana says on Twitter, "It's not looking good." He turned down the fight. And then you go on Twitter and say, well, look, I've never turned down a fight. So what happened? Explain to us. Well, look, um, 
I had a few discrepancies about, you know, the way I was being treated and stuff, and um, I had my opinions to, uh, uh, you know, the, thank you for yourself, and then Dana told me, he talked about it, and he listened to what I said, and he fixed the problem. So um, it was um, it was done. It was it was it was a done deal. I'd said yes anyway, but uh, um, you know, being the boss, he just sorted things out. So he didn't know what was the problem until I told him. So yeah. And and now you're happy. You you think he's treating you fairly? Well, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> I think I'm being treated a bit more fairly than I was before. You know, I mean. I don't know if I should say some of the things I think, but, you know, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't happy with where I was with the situation, you know? I mean, uh-oh, here he is again. Uh-oh. Where's he at? Hey, buddy. <laughs> How are you? Say hi, Mermaid. Hi, Mermaid. <laughs> well, it's good to see you again. It's not an interview without the kids. I love the kids. Um, He's all... He was asleep until he must have heard your voice. Oh, yes, of course. Everyone yeah, loves just bubble, bubble, bubble. It's time to go speak to the mermaid. <laughs> Everyone loves to hear my voice in the morning. It's a pleasure to wake up to this. Um, so, Mark, Dana tweeted, just had a great conversation with Mark. What was the conversation like from your perspective? Well, um, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, I mean, Dana listened to what I had to say, which was, um, you know, pretty cool. Um, I voiced my opinions about different things that I wasn't happy about, and um, he said, you know, I can't fix a problem if I didn't know what the problem is. He's been pushed so many places because he's got a big company. But I, you know, I said, you know, being the boss of the uh, being the boss of the company should know what goes on. <laughs> so, but, um, go ahead. You know, I was happy. He listened, and he fixed the problem. It was good. I mean, he's a he's a good person. He listened to what I had to say and sorted it out. So it's fine. How long have you been feeling unhappy about these things? <laughs> well, a long time since I was an employee of UFC, so... Really? <laughs> yeah, so... So you finally decided to bring it up. Why did you decide to take so long to bring it up? Well, I mean... It's hard to say, really. I mean... <laughs> I mean, look, man. I just wasn't happy with some of the things, you know. I, I was, I was getting doubt here. It wasn't it? Wasn't you know? It's not as an employee of a company, it shouldn't be treated the way I was being treated. You know? Like I didn't think it was fair. By the way, just curious, did you call him or did he call you? Well, he called me because of you. What do you mean? He wouldn't have called me because of you. Well, I mean, well, you're the one that I told my my feelings to you first, right? And um. It was just off the record. I was hoping you wouldn't go and put it on, but you know, and, and then you know, he called you, and then you told him that he should talk to me, and um, you know, well, thank, that's why I said I owe you a, I owe you a bucket of KFC. The KFC <laughs> king's gonna get you some food. <laughs> oh well, now you're being too kind. You don't need to give me the credit. I didn't tell him what you were upset about, but I asked him if you really, since you brought it up, I asked him you know, what the issue was. And he said, well, you know, there's some issues here and there. And I said, well, I don't know. I'm not trying to overstep my boundaries, but maybe you should give him a call and talk to him directly. And it, and, and I guess it all worked out, right? Well, yeah. Well, look, I've got the, the best opportunity so far in my career. And I'm happy. I mean, I'm happy the discrepancies have been fixed. And um, I'm in a, in a better, better, better place. You know, I never, I never turned down any fight. You know, I'm always up for the opportunities. For me, it's opportunities is not about... You know, this and all this other sort of jazz is about, for me, it's about getting these opportunities and, and very rarely do they come up. You know, you got to take them when they come.
though? You know, for that brief period where he said you turned down the fight, everyone was like kind of up in arms. What, what do you mean he turned down? What, what kind of reaction were you getting to lead you to go on Twitter and tell people I've never turned down a fight and I didn't turn down a fight? I mean, that must be frustrating. I saw you getting a little upset on Twitter. Well, look, man, I'm, I'm not a liar. I'm pretty straight up person. And, and I, um, I, I just I didn't I just said that. Well, I don't. I, I, I told the truth. What my family is, I, I tell most of the time the truth. Sometimes it's good for me. Sometimes it's bad. But um, it's true, I don't turn down fights unless I'm injured. Never have. So it's, it's a part of my, uh, my makeup. Like I said, opportunities come all the, uh, don't come that often. So you got to take them when they come. And <laughs> I wasn't you know, taking a dig at anyone. It's just, just the way I was voicing my opinion. That's the good thing about Twitter. You can voice your own opinion about things. Why? You know, someone asked me this question, and I, th I think it's an interesting one. You seem very open, comfortable on Twitter. Um, yet when you do interviews, like when you did the interview in the in the cage, when you beat uh, Stefan Struve, all you said was, yeah. I mean, you don't really want to be very talkative and open. Why are you different on Twitter? Well, I, I can talk about it. In the, in the octagon, the ring is different. I, I'm a different person. My, my, my main goal of being in the ring after I, I've, I've, I've finished fighting is, is, is yeah, because I'm a follower of Christ now, so I give glory to, to, to the Almighty. I don't care about anything else. I don't care about... Dad? I give thanks to my wife. <laughs> For my family, so... <laughs> yeah. Why are you doing that day not time? What's that? Doing not time. It's not. It's so bed. <laughs> Is he telling me to wrap up the interview? No, he said it's time to get a bed. It's <laughs> not time. <laughs> what um, are you there for? It's actually early yeah. time. Isn't it the morning over there? No, not time. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, well, that's... Yeah. What, when did that happen, Mark? Because I see religion is a big part of your life. When did that change happen for you? Um, it's been happening for a while. I just, you know, I, it's, it's, it's been happening for a while. I just, I just I didn't really take the step. I just, uh, I don't know. It's a bit, religion has been part of my whole life. I've always believed in something. But, um, you know, all of a sudden I've been, you know, trying to go out more to, towards my faith. And, and, and um, you know, it's kind of weird, though. Like I said before, I mean, everything's... Since I was, you know, let God take over the serial wheel of my life, everything's changed for me. My The things, like I said before, weren't important to me as much, you know. Money, all that, all of that sort of stuff is not important to me anymore. So, you know, the only thing that's really important to me is, is getting my family and having a personal relationship with the Almighty, with my kids and myself. So that, that's all that really matters to me. This, the way I looked at it, I was being told that this is not even our home, you know, I mean, <laughs> hey, and this is my opinion, too, this is my personal opinions, and, um, you know, it's, it's the way I think about things, uh, the way I've been looking into things, not, it's not, you, can, you know, it's just, it's just my opinion, it's the way I look at it, so. But yet you were feeling disrespected by the UFC. Well, look, man, <laughs> uh, Look, man, one room, four guys. Come on. Come in, event. You know, well, I can't get one more extra ticket? Come on now. This is like, you know, I got a 20,000, there's a 20,000 arena, and I can't get one more extra ticket. I got four tickets. I get one more extra ticket. You know, what the? Is that not fair to you or what? No, no, of course. So, so you told that to Dana, and he said, that's a problem. I will rectify this. Yes. So you, you know, being the boss, he listened and he, 
listen to what I had to complain about. And he, and he, and he said, you know, well, I don't know if, if, if I can't, I'm not a mind reader, he said, so he fixed the problem. So I'm really happy about that. Fixed a few of the discrepancies I had in it. And, and um, you know, I was always down for the fight. Why do you like this fight so, so much? Because it's an opportunity. I mean, like I said, opportunities really, really come. And as a fighter, you know, the, uh, fighting has come a second time round for me. I've won the world title already as a K1 fighter. I lost interest in fighting, and then mixed martial arts came. And this is just another opportunity for me to prove, like, uh, uh, be a part of the, of the best fighters in the league. And, and Junior was the world champion, and before he lost to Kane, and, and um, the opportunity is, 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 is here. <laughs> I'm so amped about it. I'm so pumped about it. You know, I mean, Noah's not amped about it, yeah. but... He's, well, he's getting there. You know, you know what's interesting. I've never seen. I remember when I, I broke the news Saturday morning. It was unbelievable. It was early in the morning. It was like six fifty a.m. in uh, in New York, and the reaction. It was like a party. It was a celebration. I've never seen people react and follow and rally really around a fighter like they have for you. Why do you think they love you so much, the people? I don't know, man. Uh probably because I'm I'm, I'm honest. I have no idea. Man, I think they like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't got a clue. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a nice person, man, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, I know. I, I would agree with that. Did, did you compare yourself? What was that? Sorry? Your daddy's a nice guy. Yes. He likes to eat KFC a lot. <laughs> but they like to eat chips and gravy, and that's it for dinner and breakfast. It's and breakfast. <laughs> every time, jeez. And there's the man. He ups in KSC every single day. <laughs> you see, that's what I'm talking about. By the way, when are you gonna get them as a sponsor? When are they when are you gonna get them as a sponsor for you? I have no idea, man. You you gotta ring them up, man. You're the you're the middleman. You're the main hey, you're the man that organizes everything. Listen, haven't I done you know? enough for you at this point? Seriously, I mean really, what have you done no, for me? Never enough. <laughs> Your work is never done. You know, you gotta do it all the time though, you know? Are you asking anyway. me to be your manager? No. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I'm asking you to go get a KFC deal. <laughs> hey, do you see when when you see what happened to Stefan with his broken jaw? It's still not fixed. He's in the hospital tweeting all that stuff. Does it make you feel bad? It does. <laughs> well, no, this is just the job we're in, the sport we're in. You know, I, I, it could have been me. It, it just, just, you know, it's um, you know, he's a strong kid, man. He'll come back strong. I just, you know. Just the, the the price we have to pay. Like I, I said, I give my life for what I do, and um, so should every other fighter. It's the way it is. When you hit him, were you able to feel that you broke his jaw? I look, man. I I, 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 I knew I'd got him, and I knew that it was um, it was over because it, he people that that um, that want us to fight would have been up. He wouldn't have been up coming after me. But uh, that was a pretty hefty show. It was pretty good. And I, I knew I got him. But um, I'm glad the uh, herb stopped it. Dad, because... my toes, my toes got two sores. <laughs> okay, move. It, it probably would have got been would have been worse for him, you know. It would have been probably not just one clean break. It would have been probably more breaks in his jaw. So I'm glad that uh, it was stopped. Woody, Woody. Nice toes. Woody, Woody. Are, are, are you surprised Woody. that he doesn't use his reach and his height more to his advantage? It seems like he still hasn't put that all together. Well, look, man. Um, uh, I baited him a lot in the third round, but I, I think being a young fighter, I think it's, it's a lot of experience that he has. I mean, he's had a lot of fights, but you know, the, 
I think the experience is in the, with more fighters, the better you get. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, he, he doesn't use him in his, his skill set level like like semi short same height. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big problem with someone as, as big as he is. Um, for the short guys like myself to get in, you know, if he utilizes all his weapons properly, he'd probably be... I mean, no, probably he will be a better, a better uh, fighting machine. So. Is that cake now? Yeah. Mm. Uh, where did the ground game come What's from? Uh, what ground that game? That <laughs> you were showing that off some. You were taking cunning? him down. You were showing off some ground skills. Where, where did that come from? <coughs> well, you know, people, people don't realize I've been doing it for eight years, nine years now. The ground game, you know. And I know I'm not a te technician. It's um, where you going? Oh, no, he's going to get the other one. <laughs> I got, he, 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 I, I've been doing it for a while. I, I know I'm not a te technician at, at um, Jiu-Jitsu, but I know I, I can understand what, they, what, the, what they're trying to do on the ground. I understand. I can see it in here. So, you know, I'm not an easy beat on the ground. People think I am, but, you know, I'm all right. I'm all right. Will, will you try to take Junior down? Uh, you know, if he wants to go down, I can go down. I, I, I'd like to... He's like me. He's like to stand there bang, and um, you know, I like to test his metal. You know, <laughs> you know, he's the best fighter. Was the best fighter in the world, and I, and um, I consider myself the best fighter in the world. And I like, and I'm like to to I, I I class my striking really highly, and so does he. So, you know, we'll see what happens when the fight comes. By the way, did you see that amazing picture taken by uh, Josh Hedges of the UFC of you punching Stefan? Did you see that picture? Oh yeah, I have. It was it was it was a nice shot. Yeah. Are you gonna maybe blow that up and put that in your house or your gym or something? Do you care about that kind of thing? If you come and look at my house, you want to see a picture of me up there. You'll see is my kids and family. Now coming. Now coming. Oh no, they're both here. <laughs> uh oh. Oh, they're both here. Look at that. Hey, Say buddy. Hi, sweetheart. Oh, we haven't met you before. <laughs> my daughter. Her name's Sierra. Say oh. hi, darling. Wait, so Noah just woke her up? Noah. Yeah, well, like I said, she wanted to see the mermaid, too. And so, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so they're both here. Hey, darling. Come here, my baby. Oh. Yeah, I might into that sort of stuff of, uh, you know, um, uh, pictures and that stuff. I don't have anything of, of me or, or a trophy room or whatever. I think I'm, everything is nothing at all. No, but both the gang here said. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. You got backup. Okay, just a couple more During things. Doing the interview here. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll, I'll let oh. you go in a couple minutes. I just want to ask you a few more things. Um, if you beat Junior on May 25th, do you think you deserve a title shot? Like I said, it's not my call. It's up to, to UFC. It's up to the, uh, up to the, the bosses. Nice. <laughs> yes. Up the hair? It's nice hair. It's up to the bosses to make the call and... Uh, yeah, that's just the way it is. I'm just, I'm, I'm just, uh, like I said, I'm just an employee. You're here? Just a school trying to get a nut, man. I'm an employee. Hey, will, you, will your kid? Yeah. This is the biggest fight of your of your MMA career, I would I would say. I mean, since the K1 days, you've obviously had big fights in Pride and UFC, but this is a huge opportunity. Will your kids come out to it? Yeah. I don't think so, man. This is um, it's work, and I'd rather just if my family comes out, it'd be like a holiday, and I don't want to be like that because then I'll get hurt. So, you know, I need to get uh, right into the thing of the business end of fighting. And like you said, if this is an opportunity for me and, and um, they don't come up really, so I'll be coming really, really hard for this win. You know, I got to win. And that's just the way I look at it. So, 
We got a battle, man. I'm so amped about this one. Bye, man. <laughs> See you later. Um, have you started training? I'm going this this uh, this week to start training. So when's the I've had my fill of KFC. When's the last time you? Like when's the last time you felt this excited about a fight? Ooh. Maybe when I fought Fedor for the world title, but wow. Yeah, that didn't go too well. So, but anyway, um, yeah, maybe for for the worlds, for the K1 and and Fedor fight. But this is really exciting for me, so it's good. You think you knock him out? I can I can beat anybody. Simple as that. As you told me last week, you were born down. <laughs> Not down, down, down. But was, yes, yes, yes. I was born. I was born down. Yeah, I was, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm, you know, you want to fight, man? I'm your Huckleberry, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what, what about the Army of Doom? Like, is there going to be some sort of meetup? Some, some. Like, are they going to be in the house come May 25th? What are you going to do to get them on your side? I don't know. I'm, I you know, the Army of Doom is. You know, it's funny because you know, uh, it's hard to explain. Me, yeah, man. Explain it. Anyway, I, mean, you know, I have the army of dudes down. You know, I don't know how this, how it works, you know what I mean? <laughs> anyway, what are you talking about? Just, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, neither do I sometimes. You know, I probably <laughs> kicked in the lips too many times. I, mean, I have no idea. So, you know, if they're, they're going to come part of it, it's the way it is. Is it's there anything good. you want to say to them? They're very excited to hear from you. They, they told me when this was announced, you've uh, got to get more. Uh, oh, man, there's so many. You know, if they're down, man, if they're down as a part of the army... Man, why don't you go buy a T-shirt or some shit? Go on my website, buy a T-shirt. Uh, handles on. You know what? That's where. That's so you're saying they're very supportive, but come on, step it up and go on the website and buy a T-shirt. That's what you're talking about. You want to be part of the army? Come on, man. What's going on here? I got ridiculous, man. Hey, what's, <laughs> where can they buy the shirt? On my website, you know, it's uh, uh, markhunterofficial.com. You know, they should go and check it out there. They want to be a part of the army. You know, buy something and. And support. That's, you know, that's the way I look at it. So you're only officially a part of the army if you buy a t-shirt. Yeah, man. Talk is cheap, man. <laughs> you know that. Talk is cheap. Yeah. Well, <laughs> sort of. Uh, will you be uh, training in the U.S. for this fight at ATT? No, I'm going straight to New Zealand. I've got a camp waiting there. And then uh, I'm going to try and go out to Vegas uh, three weeks out or four weeks out for the fight and acclimatize. Yeah. So uh, you're going to be away from your family for a long time. Look, man, yeah, 11 weeks, I think, or 10 weeks. Look, man, I, you know, Pizan's got a uh, Bigfoot's got a big fight coming up. He's got a world title shot, so. The big gun has a gun. So, uh, you know, I want the uh, ATT's going to concentrate all the efforts on Bigfoot for this fight, so. I got my guys ready for, for help me with training, so. This is what they got. You get it, it's up here, the camera's on that, so. So, he's showing you that. That's oh, cool, wow. Though. Hey, buddy. Hey, would you fight Bigfoot? No. Yeah? He can pick up for me. He's big. <laughs> but. Was that a but yes? I feel big. And he. And Bigfoot is so. And I'm big and he's little. <laughs> okay. You heard it there right there. Is it, uh, did you ask me that question? I, yes, I was asking if you would fight Bigfoot. No, no, no. I wouldn't fight Bigfoot unless it was for World Title. Look, okay. he's with American Top Team. And I associate myself with American Top Team, so, you know. But if you win and he wins, you would fight him for the belt. 
Well, it's a, you know, it's got to be. I mean, if he won, if Pizarro wins for the belt, and I win my fight, and if I get the world title shot, then you know, it's it's it's, it's uh, you know, it's the world title, you know. Yeah, there is only one. Mark, I'll let you go. I know your family's there. I really appreciate you waking up so early in the morning, Tuesday morning, in Australia over there. Good luck. This is a this is a huge fight. It feels like a big deal. I can't remember the last time. Maybe when Brock fought. Alistair, the last time a non-title fight garnered this much attention and excitement, you versus Junior Dos Santos, UFC 160, May 25th in Las Vegas. Uh, happy for you that you got the fight, and uh, congratulations with that, and, and looking forward to seeing you in Las Vegas. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on the show, Ariel, and um, hey, thanks for helping me out with, with, with the, the things I need to sort out. <laughs> thanks for your time, sir. My pleasure. Hey, man, I have a bucket of KFC, so once they sponsor me, then, you know, that's us. <laughs> me and you together, eating some KFC. It would be nice. All right. That was good. <laughs> All right, Thank you. There he is. The Super Samoan and, and friends joining us from uh, his home in Australia, waking up super early to stop by and, and talk about his fight against Junior Dos Santos, UFC 160. So, yeah, I mean, uh, he did bring it up. I, I think, uh, who knows? Is he giving me too much credit? I don't know. What happened in a nutshell was I spoke to him about the fight. He said, I'm down. The next day, Dana White said, he turned it down. I spoke to Mark. He told me some stuff that he didn't want to talk about, which he pretty much just talked about here, the ticket and um, the hotel situation. And so then I asked Dana White what happened. And he said he didn't really know and uh, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, well, maybe he's being misrepresented maybe, you know, cause he wasn't talking directly to him. Uh, he was going through his team and I said, eh, you know, if you want to give him a call, here's his number. I just spoke to him. He seemed to be giving me a bit of a different story. Dana, give, Dana gives him a call. He has a great call. And, uh, there it is. Mark Hunt's finding Junior Dos Santos. Of course, a lot more went into it and whatnot. And I'm sure at some point with the reaction of the people saying, what, he turned it down. He just said he was down to fight him. How could he turn it down? It would have happened. But um, anyway, great to talk to Mark Hunt. Great to have him on the show and very much looking forward to that fight. As I mentioned on Saturday morning, when, when the news came out that this fight was actually going down, the reaction was just out of this world. It was unbelievable. It was, I mean, like, it was like people were partying. They, they, they really love this guy. They've rallied behind them. They, they, they feel like he's almost one of them. He's like a Rocky type of story. And uh, I can't remember. Maybe it was Brock Alistair, but this is different. This feels like they have, the people feel like they've almost brought him to this point, and they want to see him take down the big ex-champion. And the funny thing is, Junior Dos Santos is like the jolly green giant. There's no nicer guy in this sport, yet in some way he's the bad guy in this one, just because Mark is so beloved these days. So it's going to be a great scene, and it almost feels like that's the main event in a weird way. Kind of like Alistair versus JDS. Um, so Alistair's out for a few weeks, hopes to return to training four to five weeks. Um, and, uh, he's hoping to return. He wanted the fight in July, couldn't do it. Quadriceps injuries. So we'll see what's next for Alistair. Some people bringing up Stefan Struve. Who knows right now? No fight, no timetable yet for his return. What we do know is Mark Hunt versus JDS UFC 160, May 25th. That does it for the interviews. 
but there's still plenty more to go on this show. Uh, what, what, what a roller coaster. Not only Remember last week when I said it was freezing? It's now really hot in here, not to mention all the stuff that's been going on as far as the, the, the interviews are concerned. I am sweating buckets, but I like it. It's like that sort of accomplishment sweating, if you know what I mean. Um, Rick, let's get, the, uh, let's get the, the tickets out of the way. Yep. Uh, we got some people who tweeted Fitch faces. We're about to put them up right were they, now. Were they good? Oh, they're good. This is our first one. What? What is that? That's that, not a Fitch face, is it? That's, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the famous picture of him, with his ear was a little out more, so that's why he's, he's touching it right there. But, you know, the, the sideways snarl move. Okay, but let me ask. Oh, okay, I get it, the, the ear. Um, do we know if these people live in the tri-state area? I've been checking, and most of them are New York, New Jersey-type area. Um, but we, we can go back and look uh, when we pick the winner. Okay, well, it just seems like he's British. I was just going to... Ouch. Uh, <laughs> he's from New York, I believe. Okay. Um, so that's our first one. This is our second one. <laughs> Not much of a Fitch face, but he's trying. Yeah, he's trying. I mean, I, I do like the facial hair. Um, okay, it's nice. I mean, I, I do appreciate the effort, that's for sure. <laughs> This guy, this guy looks this like... This one's he, great because he's in the car. He looks a little disinterested, but I think it's a Fitch face. Is he... I mean, is he dropping one or what? <laughs> <laughs> What's going um, on there? It just seems like he just ate some bad cottage cheese. That, yeah, that could be it, but um, that's, our, that's our third submission. Okay. This one's good. Wow. He's, he's really gritting the teeth there. I like that. Uh, and it's not even for him. He's trying to pass it off to <clears throat> S... Rachel, who who makes an appearance himself later in this. Okay. This one. What is that? I'm not sure this is a Fitch face, to be honest with you. That's not even a. That's that's an old that just, shot. That looks like a young Nate Marquardt, is what that looks like. Yeah. What is that? I mean, he that, he, that was that's a picture of a picture. <laughs> he took a picture of his of something hanging in his house. Yeah. That is. What is that? Come on. We're starting to get somewhere. Okay. He, <laughs> this is. Uh, oh, this is the guy. Steve this is the guy that that the other guy was trying to. The uh, funny thing about these, these faces are, it, it kind of looks like they're all dropping ones. They, believe me, we'll we'll get okay. closer. We'll get closer. I, okay. Here we go. Oh man, I the like this one. The beard's working too, but he, here's a a real Fitch face we got going over here. Grew the beard for this occasion. He writes, <laughs> Josiah. Okay, I, I, wait. Can we just stop? Is he in, in in on the leaderboard right now? Is he number one? He's he's number one in my book so okay, far. Okay, yeah, yeah. This is okay. This is a decent one. Hmm, that is a decent one. I do like the fist. Um, I live in Jers. Okay, this is from Geronimo. Not a bad one. Not a bad one. Oh, oh. This oh, one's good. Oh wow, wow. He's got the contract yeah, in hand. I I appreciate that. From Brooklyn, so he's, oh. he's he's definitely local. Yeah, we're biased. Um, wow. See. He loses a point here because he's not... He's not doing the Fitch face. He's not do, well, he's doing the Fitch face in that picture. Right, but that's not the Fitch face, sure, per sure. se. But, but, I do but love the, the creativity off the charts on that one. Off the charts. This is a good one. This, this is a good this one. This is a true Fitch face. This is a true... Uh, come on, I need these tickets, plus I've got the hair and the beard. That is a good one. I think he's got two. Let's see his next one. Oh, two. Oh, look at that. With the hat? With the hat. I mean, the hat almost... Fitch doesn't wear a Yankees hat. <laughs> If You're someone taking had away points for that. I'm taking away points for that. Okay. Uh, if someone had a Purdue, one of those uh, those uh, toques that he wore when he fought at 107, that'd be that'd be game over. Here's here's another one. Well, I can't even see anything on this. Let one. me let me try and scroll <laughs> a little bit. Oh, there you go. Oh. There we go. Man, the teeth. Um, He's snarling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 
Nice. I mean, he does look scary, as Isaac we're, just pointed out. <laughs> we're getting we're getting a lot of New York submissions. So that's good. I'm it, happy. It's, it's good. These people, these tickets are going to go to use. I feel bad for the person listening to the audio only version of this uh, this show because they're like, what? what well, if people? they search hashtag Fitchface, there you go. You'll uh, see all after the, the show. You can see all of them. That's great. What else? Give me one second. That looks like a fat Patrick Cote. I see the Cote. I see the Cote. <laughs> and I don't mean to say fat, but just bigger than what Cote is now at 170. Was that uh, mean? I think uh, so. Moving on, I think we have nice. two. I think we have two submissions from him. Oh no, this is somebody oh, else. My this, is dear God. this is a good one though. This is a good Fitch face. You don't like this one? No, no, no. I'm saying, oh my dear God, in a good way. Oh yeah, this is good. Jeez, what do you got so far? Let's let's. Oh God. I'm thinking uh, I like okay, the one wait, with the contract did, for sure. Did you did you did you did you close them out or you nope, still have nope, them? No, we okay. still have them. We'll, we'll go back. Them. Yeah, we'll yeah, go yeah, back yeah. after. I can't think right now. This is too much fun. But uh the one with the contract, in my opinion, is in the lead just because of the creativity. Okay, what else? Not the not the best fitch face mm. uh, by the book. This is this is one including a dog. Yeah, that is nice. That so is, also creative. The, the fitch face is 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 not a very uh attractive face. Oh yeah, no, so it's it's it, not supposed it's to. It's people not in their best uh, moment. I think this one has two also. Oh, see, he's not really he's not really getting the teeth right. But, no, he's not. But the, the creativity with the dog he is actually kind of looks like him. Yeah, the beard is the beard yeah. is nice. This is a good one. That is a good one. Um, that is a good one. He's posted got the to teeth, Instagram the actually. Wow. So that's, that's no one. No one understands why he posted that because he didn't explain it. But somehow no, he I found think it. there's probably oh there is there's a text. Okay, okay. Now, this one's fantastic. That's Isaac. This is from our own Isaac. <laughs> he wants the, the tickets. <laughs> he, wants to, he wants to do the Fitch face. Is that, what, is that what you guys are doing back there? No, 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 no. no, 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 no that's not what I'm doing. Oh, of course, of course. Um, <laughs> it's hilarious. That is, that is a pretty good Fitch it's face. It's a good one. For a guy who's probably never seen the Fitch face. That's what I said. I said he's never seen it, but he's doing it right. What, did he just guess or based on the other he, he saw the other pictures okay, and, he, and right. he figured it out because he's a smart boy. That's when you're supposed to lie and say that he just guessed and got it right. Now this this is our last one. This is not a Fitch face even. What? The heck? <laughs> what? <laughs> and this this comes from somebody in. This is I my man, it. Sean. He's the best. Uh, He's this, the guy who was tweeting from the Dana White uh, that's right. talk in Ireland. <laughs> not even a Fitch face, but I had to put this up because it's ridiculous. <laughs> that is the best. Oh my god, he's in Ireland. I I would fly him out just because that was so good. Um, okay, so let's let's run backwards through these. <laughs> Can we keep that Com- up? Just can for, you compose no, yourself uh, while we run backwards? That is a good, <laughs> <laughs> it's just so great. All right, let me get that. We've got Isaac. Okay, we got Isaac. <laughs> this guy's pretty good. Okay, so he's out. Okay, okay. So here's the thing: cut out the people. We'll go by process of elimination. Just like X the people, so then there'll only be like three, four left standing. You know what I'm saying? All right, let's keep him in the running. Yeah, I'm crying here. I think out, 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 out. In the running. In the running. Out. In, out, same guy. Yeah, but it's th- okay. In. in, 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 out, out, <laughs> out. Definitely out. out. Uh, if, wait, wait, is that guy in? <laughs> I think that guy's out. That guy. In. This guy's. Keep him in. Keep... All right, he's keep in. Keep him in. Okay. Out, out, out. In. In, I'm in. saying in. Okay, okay. All right, that's the first one. Oh God. Okay. So what do you think? Wait, now let's go. But now, okay. Uh, out. All right. Now we're going next. We, we round. Ha- yeah, we have to. We have to narrow this down. Out. Out. 
out. In. I'm saying out. I'm. Listen. All right, he's in. I'm in. He's in. He's in. in. Out. Uh, well, you're going too fast. No, that guy's out already. Oh, I eliminated him. Why can't last you eliminate time. them? Like, so where there's only three no, left? No, 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 no. You can't X them. No, no, no. Okay, okay. Okay, well, this is going to get confusing. Okay, out. Out. I feel like he should win. I think it's down to him. Yeah. And the guy with the contract. Yeah. Let's go to the contract one more time. Face, kidding, uh, contract wins. Contract wins. Contract wins. Ugh. What do you think? Wrong? No, I, th- I think I think it's right. By the way, how many tickets do we have? We could give away two. Give them to both of them. All right, two pairs. Contract guy and that guy with the the beard. Josiah. Josiah. That, that's that's the right call, right? I I think that was the best Fitch face, and this was the best in terms of creativity. All right, there, there it you is. Go. So you both get a pair of tickets, right? We, yeah, we can. We have two. Okay, we've got uh, two tickets. Uh, World Series of Fighting, Revel Resort and Casino. Thank you very much for all the submissions. That was great. Really enjoyed that. We should do that more often. We should do things like that more often. Well, credit to John Fitch. That credit was an John incredible Fitch. idea. That was an incredible idea. Thank you very much, Mr. John Fitch. Okay, uh, let's go to Rick's picks. Can we, can we do that last? Let's get the questions done uh, oh. first. Okay, sure. Why, do you have the music? Uh, no, we don't, but mm. I just wanted to... Um, put this all in one segment so let's let, let okay. me uh okay, set okay. up the questions give me give me two minutes um have no fear we do have one more pair right we have one more pair wait is world series fighting this weekend no it's in two weeks so we have one more pair we're going to try to give them away well we will give them away next week so if you didn't get the tickets have no fear and by the way there are tickets available and i think they're pretty cheap so if you're in the area and you really do want to go Go buy the tickets. So we'll take some questions now. Uh, at stake, GSP, championship edition, round five. Obviously very fitting this week because he is fighting on Saturday night at UFC 158. 158. What an eventful show thus far. A perfect start, in my opinion, to this great week of, uh, of fighting going down on Saturday night in Montreal. And this is what's at stake. So we're going to take questions from Twitter, some questions from the website, and the best Twitter question will get this. And then we'll go to the Rick's Pick Challenge, and then we'll get the heck out of here. I feel bad about Stefan. I mean, just kind of an abrupt way to end the show or the interview. Uh, hopefully he's not. I, I think, you know, he said his story. And based on the responses we were getting on Twitter, it seemed like a lot of people, it's funny how people act that way. They, they just kind of get behind someone who pours their heart out. I think this was this was a good thing for him. Well, I mean, I wasn't in the other camp. I wasn't one of the people who was, you know, going too rough on Stefan Bonner. But um, I definitely had of a different, I don't, a different feeling toward him. I wouldn't say that I necessarily feel any better or worse about what he did, but the way he owned up to it and you know poured out his heart and soul and told every you know bit about um, what yeah. he did. Uh, I think you it's have better. to respect it and move on. Move on at this point. You know, that now we can move on. You did the interview, it's over, and now we can move on. So I, I, hopefully he sees it as a positive. Um, obviously don't want to get him in trouble, just wanted to hear his side of the story. And he told it, and I respect him for that. Um, all right, let's go to the questions. Yep. First one's from the website. It says question for Rick. Um, hmm. Are you going to answer this? Uh, we can both answer it. I'll answer it. But 
There's another one that says question for Rick that's not necessarily for me either. I think that, with all due respect, I think they're telling you that this is a question for you to pick. Just no, this one's about betting, but... Okay, 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 so then go ahead. How do you feel about Silva opening as only a 2-1 to one favorite over Weidman? Do you think that after what Chael did to Anderson, people think that a wrestler has the best chance to beat Anderson? Go so ahead. You, um, I think that him opening as a 2-1 to one favorite over Weidman was interesting for sure. Um, in terms of my own opinion, I think that the line was shifted more by the fervor and the, and the hype behind... Um, Weidman getting the title shot. I think that if it just had been announced, you know, Weidman's fighting Anderson right after um, Anderson had just defended the belt, I think the line would have opened differently. I think that there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, I'm not sure what the word is, but there, there's there's like a, a, a feeling amongst the people that I've said this before, a zeitgeist where um, people are really rallying behind Weidman. And I think the betting line was slightly affected by that. I don't, I don't necessarily feel that that's an accurate line, and, and the line has shifted since. I believe that Anderson's hovering around a 3-to-1 or a 3.5-to-1 favorite now. Um, but that said, the, the aspect of the wrestling is definitely a part of that line being like that, and that there are people who will... One person I talked to this weekend even said that um, they think that Weidman is capable of doing what Chael did to Anderson in terms of keeping him on the mat and... And that Weidman is actually considered a very, very high-level wrestler when he needs to be. So and I'd say that that does influence the line a bit, but I say it's more um, about the hype surrounding Weidman. And, and that we've had all this time off between Anderson's last fight and Weidman's last fight that it's, it's hard to have an accurate line. What was interesting about the GSP interview when he was talking about this was he was saying Anderson's smart for taking the fight now because Chris is coming off a, a layoff. By the time they fight, it'll be a year. And I wonder, I mean, obviously a lot has gone on in, in Chris's life, the shoulder injury, Hurricane Sandy, but I wonder if it's almost beneficial to him because now he can, he's been focusing on Anderson since pretty much, you know, the, the, the Munoz fight, he had the brief period with Boach, but it's been out there for so long and Anderson maybe hasn't been focusing on him. I wonder if he's just had time to, to, to really sort of, you know, zero in on him. Although he has had to, you know, get back from the, the shoulder injury too. So I don't know. Who knows if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I was somewhat surprised it was that low, but who knows what it ends up with. It, we're, we're, what were we, like four months before the fight? So a lot can change between now and then. But that is certainly an interesting indication of how the people feel about Chris Weidman. Yep. Next question. Simply, is John wow. Fitch the best UFC fighter to never wear the belt? A lot of someone was asking me about this uh, recently, and I was talking about it with a fighter. Someone brought it. I remember them them bringing up Guy Metzger, um, being one. Is John Fitch the best? I mean, wow that that is a that is a very good question. Right now, no one comes to mind. Uh, uh, one I've heard a lot in this same conversation is Kenny Florian. Kenny Florian, although Fitch's record more impressive than Kenny's. I, I wasn't, you know, saying I particularly feel oh, Kenny okay. over Fitch. I was just saying that one that has come up a lot when this con when this discussion has been had is is Kenny. Yeah. So, uh I mean, I can I, I think he's definitely in there in that discussion top 5. I'm trying to think of guys who I mean, and also in the early days they weren't winning belts necessarily, they were winning the tournaments um in recent years. Fitch is certainly up there. 
There's someone else who I feel like is uh, the tip of my tongue that I can't quite nail it. Uh, welterweight, lightweight. None, none of the, the 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 you know Faber is up there too. Um, to never wear the the UFC title, he had WEC. Um, heavyweight, light heavyweight. You know Dan Henderson. That's a good one. Dan Henderson. So those are a few that come to mind. Next question. Should Nick Diaz win on Saturday? Are we going to see Dana White's head explode? I can't imagine the PR nightmare that it would be to have Diaz as the new champ. No way. I mean, the rematch would be huge. Diaz is beloved. Um, They're using the sure the press conference stuff as promos now. They, they, love, they it. love it. They love it. You kidding me? That, was, that fight needed that. It needed a jolt. Let's be honest, we weren't as, as I, as I mentioned, I think on the show, as pumped up about it as we were maybe, you know, a year ago or a year and a half ago when it was announced. I mean, now I'm counting the minutes to Saturday night. I can't wait for the press conference. I can't wait for the media day, all that stuff. This is a big fight. This feels like a big deal. And that just, that just amped it up by five levels. Yeah. I mean, there's, is he tough to deal with? Maybe. But he is a draw, and people love him. People hate him. They care about him, and that's a good thing. You want that. <clears throat> Our next question. With John Fitch being released for allegedly being on the decline and earning too much money, do you think Rashad Evans is in any danger of being cut if he loses to Henderson? This would put Evans, whose, fight aren't, whose fights aren't always exciting, on a three-fight losing streak and who is earning substantially more than Fitch. I don't know. Uh, can I what? Buzzkill, I'm doing whatever the hell I want to do. I like to talk. He's really, I mean, talk about getting me out of my zone. I'm thinking about the question. I'm analyzing it in my mind. And then I get, can you address the camera? Jeez. Fine. What's wrong with this camera? <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. Um, here I am. Uh, now I forgot the question. Oh, Henderson. Uh, no, it's Rashad, right? Yeah, it's about Rashad. I don't think he'll get cut. Let's think about the losses. John Jones. The Nog one was obviously not his best performance. And then this one against Henderson obviously depends. But as Fitch said, I mean, he was in a different place. Rashad is very, uh, very popular. He's still marketable. He's a draw. And I think he's a bigger draw than John Fitch. I don't think anyone would disagree with that right now. Um, works for them on the TV side of things. I mean, there's a lot more that goes into it. So, no. To answer the question, if he loses, I don't think that, that, that he would get cut. Unless he puts off a, a total stinker, but I don't think so. I agree with you. This one says question for Rick, but... And by the way, a lot of people getting mad about my he looks British comment. That's not an insult. People look a certain way. Uh, Brazilians look a certain way. British people look a certain way. Italians look a certain way. That's not a bad thing or a good thing. He just looked like he was British. So the next question. Is that wrong? I mean, really? Is that a bad thing to say? British people have a look. It's a nice look. I, don't, I, I love British people. Anyway, next question. Next question. What are the chances GSP and Diaz hug it out after their hopefully epic 25-minute war? And will Diaz be the one to initiate the embrace if it happens? Well, the question is for you. See, this is what I was saying. I don't think this is necessarily oh, only okay. for me. But um, in my opinion, I think that they will hug it out just because I think that, there, as Diaz um, said, there's a mutual respect there. He respects George's game. 
Um, he doesn't play that game himself, but he respects George's game and respects him as a, as a champion. Um, and I don't think there's going to be any hard feelings or any grudge. I think right now, you know, tensions are high, but I think they will um, embrace and respect each other after the fight. I agree. I agree. GSP is not that kind of guy. And uh, we've seen this before with Nick, Frank Shamrock hugging him uh, with BJ Penn. So I don't expect anything different. Our next question, this is the last one from the website. Ariel, we know what Mike Ricci's perfect meal is, but what is yours? A nice bowl of matzo ball soup with <laughs> Rampage, perhaps? <sighs> you know, as a kid, it used to be a nice Domino's pizza with uh, green olives. That was, my, that, was like my, that was like my McDonald's, right? I mean, we're not talking about a home-cooked meal, but my mom, the greatest chef of all time, uh, and that's the only reason why I'm really excited to go home um to much of for a second i thought your gmail was just on, on blast that reminds me to look at this camera um so we're not talking homemade food here which is on a whole other level uh particularly the lebanese food uh i am very hungry right now so i will dwell on this but uh as far as the mcdonald's comparison what is out there i guess it's pizza for me it's pizza green olive pizza Nothing puts me in a, in, in, a, in a more euphoric state than a nice cheese pizza with green olives on it. Maybe a little pineapple on the side, just for fun. No ham, just green olives and pineapple. That's my answer. Michael Bisping, another great uh, fighter to never wear a title. Oh, and Michael Bisping just tweeted. Someone just wrote, one of the best fighters to never wear a UFC belt is Bisping. And then he just responded, that's going to change though, but thank you. And this is from MMA for Life. All right, we're moving to the Twitter questions. Mm -hmm. Fans not happy about my selections from the website, as oh. usual. Um, or, our fish, or our Fitch face selections. Oh, stop it. It's another story. Uh, the first question, the ads leading up to GSP versus Diaz really make Diaz look like a villain and a jerk. Is this a fair assessment of Nick? Um, I don't, I mean, that's just, you know, when you, when you talk like that, when you're outspoken like that, when you, when you call out your opponent the way he has, that's kind of the way it's going to be played up. And GSP is, is already who he is. And he has this persona, which was part of the issue that Diaz had with him, that it's, you're not going to turn GSP into the villain. He's the champ. And, you know, he, he's kind of like the golden boy in a sense, very clean cut, always says the right thing, you know says he doesn't like talking to the media because he's on autopilot all this stuff and diaz is mr middle finger diaz is the guy who got into the brawl diaz is the guy who's coming off of suspension so it kind of makes those roles make themselves but by the way in this day and age people tend to side with that guy the diaz kind of guy rather than the the gsp guy the gray character is as opposed to the guy wearing the white hat so i don't think it's a bad thing Do you think GSP was out of line on the call? Nick didn't say anything bad to him, and GSP started attacking his intelligence. Say the first part again. Do you think GSP was out of line on mm, the call? I don't, th I don't think so. Um, I mean, he was defending himself, and I'm happy that he tried to defend. I mean, when he said the part, listen to me, you uneducated fool. You know, when he said that, I mean, that was big. That was like, wow. I, I've never heard GSP say that. Uneducated fool. Prebeck better watch out. That was pretty good. <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, that, that was, that, that's, and then he said to him, you know, maybe you're not smart enough. I mean, that, that's why I found it so fascinating. Nick got this out of him. GSP wasn't coming with that. 
Nick got it out of him. That's why I asked John those questions. And I, I don't think that Nick's in GSP's head. I don't think he's under his skin. But he got it out of him, and that's impressive. We've never seen Koscheck get it out of him. Um, some of the other guys that he's had these kind of war of words with, we've never seen it happen before. Sarah, he's never done that. So that's why I thought it was it was impressive. But no, I don't think he was disrespectful. I don't think he called him anything. I mean, that's that was the best conference call of all time. It was authentic. It wasn't manufactured. They, 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 they both were just talking to each other. They didn't need us there. And it was great. Both of them, to me, did nothing wrong there. And I love them for it. Our next question. Is GSP admitting he's never actually tweeted a slippery slope? Seems like he's flaunting the fooling of his fans. Well, I will say this. Uh, as far as negatives go, I don't see why he, he said that. I mean, look, it's funny. Um, we, we, we blame him for sometimes not being open. And now he's... He's open, and you're kind of like, well, that was the wrong one to be open about. Um, and I kind of agree. It's a weird thing, but why would you admit that? What was the point? No, you know, uh, someone was asking about the dark place thing. He could just said, I, I didn't see it. But you know what? I give him props. He was honest, and that's what we want. We want honesty. So let him be honest. Let the Twitter. No one said Twitter had to be personal. You know, no one believes that the fan pages on Facebook and whatnot are are run by the guys. So why does the Twitter have to be run by? you know, the, the, the athlete or the superstar, the celebrity in question. Uh, I'm sure a lot of fans were turned off. I wonder if any unfollowed him. But uh, that was an interesting one to start being honest about or open about, I should say. And I'm not saying he's lying. He just doesn't give us all the goods. Um, but, hey, he did. I don't think it's such a big deal, honestly. Well, I think people want to feel like... Well, sure, but, you know, there's some Twitters that are just like that, where you come to get news um, about the person. There's still going to be more personal stuff on his Twitter than somewhere else. So it's not necessarily um, an unfollow situation. If you if that turns you off so much, then just unfollow. And, and if not, that's, you know, you can still go to his Twitter to find out things that you wouldn't find out elsewhere. I, I think, it you know, him being honest about it wasn't necessarily a negative or a positive, in my opinion. I, and look, you're getting pictures, you're getting insight. If you're a fan, you're going to follow him. But I can see why people would be like, eh, that's kind of weak. I agree. I would just unfollow if, yeah. if it was me. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not a huge deal. And uh, underlying issue, props to him for being honest about it. Our next question. How excited is Mama Helwani oh. about UFC 158? Oh, my dear God. First of all, she listened to the conference call. Um, I think she may have listened to it twice. She's watching right now. We know this. Um, she's going to the weigh-ins on Friday. May even be going to the open workouts on Wednesday, which are open to the public. Certainly, she has her tickets. Going to the fight on Saturday with my sister, dragging her, who doesn't want to attend. Cannot wait. Um, I won't tell you who she's rooting. Should I say? I feel like it's inappropriate. Is it inappropriate? Let's hear it. All I'll say is it's probably not who you think it is. I That's think all. that says it all. I think that says it all, um, which is a big, which is a major turn in our lives. She is pumped. She cannot wait. And also very pumped that Carlos Conde, who I've already said on this show, is one of her favorite fighters. So, um, yeah, she, she is excited. She will be there in full force. Bought her own tickets, by the way. No freebies. So don't go uh, calling us out. So there will be a lot of Hawanis in attendance on, on Saturday, just making the night all that more special. Our next question, <clears throat> are GSP's comments about Weidman beating Silva his way of saying he's done with the super fight? 
Sorry, someone was giving me crap again for this other thing. Say it again. Essentially, GSP's comment on Weidman beating Silva and finishing oh, him. Yeah. Is that his way of saying he's done with the super fight? No, I'm not surprised. I mean, they're friends. They're training partners. So I'm not surprised that he said it. Also, I'm not surprised if he's trying to maybe get under Anderson's skin. But what do you expect him to say? Anderson's going to beat his friend? It's interesting for someone to say it. More interesting is Daniel Cormier coming out yesterday saying that not only does he think Weidman beats Anderson, he thinks Mark Hunt beats JDS. Uh, someone like Cormier, who is neutral, who has no relation to Weidman or Anderson, that's more interesting in my opinion. That's definitely interesting. And a very interesting guy, a very interesting mind. So, yeah, he said that on Twitter yesterday. Uh, but what do you expect GSP to say? Our next question, do you think ring rust will hurt Weidman against Silva? Is it smart for him to take this fight without a tune-up fight? He has to take the fight. I mean, he can't wait. He can't turn this down. This is what he wanted, and who knows what happens after. New York, John Jones, GSP. I mean, there's, there's, there's too many variables. What's interesting about this is that Weidman had to do essentially nothing this year to get this fight. And I say that in, in a good way. I don't think he did. You know already how I feel. I think he deserves it. But what's interesting was, think about all that had to go his way for this to happen. Okay. Um... The Bisping loss, Dolcher losing, Boach losing. Uh, even his injury, in a weird way, was a, was a blessing in disguise. All these things had to happen for him to get this title shot, and he's the last man standing. And in a weird way, he was the guy who deserved it from the beginning, in my opinion. The most interesting styles matchup. So um, maybe ring rest, maybe it's not the best timing. He's not in the best shape. He's not, you know, rolling like he would be after a, a, a fight that he just had two, three months ago. But... You know, he has more time. He's not banged up, hopefully for his sake. And you got to go in. It's weird how people came around. You know, originally they thought he didn't deserve it. Now he deserves it all of a sudden. And it seems like people are really behind this fight. For the most part, there are still some people hating on it. So it'll never be perfect. And he would be crazy to turn it down because he's coming off an injury. And he never even considered it. Our next question, Diaz, Chael, or Weidman? Who has the best chance at becoming the champ? Diaz, Chael, Weidman. I go Weidman. I say, I say Weidman has the best chance. What do you think? I agree completely. Yeah, I think Weidman. Um, which is interesting because Anderson is widely considered you know, the best fighter on the planet, pound for pound. Um, and yet we're saying that Weidman's probably the one who has the best shot. It's just interesting. Styles makes fights. Yep. And, uh, and he's also of that bunch the least experienced. But yet, for some reason, there's something interesting, and I think Danaher nailed it. He's almost like a bigger GSP. I don't think his striking is there. But as far as the grappling... Well, think, Danaher was saying um, there's things that he has that GSP doesn't have. For example, the, the jiu-jitsu. Um, Weidman is, is so fluid with his, with his on-the-bottom and on-the-top jiu-jitsu. It, it's, it's very like impressive. Yeah. Yeah, can't wait for it. I love that fight. Can't wait. Our next question. Now that Mark Hunt is fighting JDS, if he wins and gets a title shot, would it be the greatest underdog story in MMA history? It's already one of the most improbable stories in, in MMA history. I mean, think about it. This guy had a contract with Pride. UFC buys Pride. Zufa buys Pride. And they figure out, oh, he has some fights left. The UFC says, well, I'm not that interested. We don't want him. How about this? We'll pay you the contract, and you can go away. He says, nah, give me the fights. Come on. I want the fights. Let me at least earn the money. 
They say fine. They put him on the first fight of the night against Sean McCorkle at UFC 119. He gets submitted in a matter of seconds by Sean McCorkle, of all people. I mean, really, that, that, that's one step above Isaac submitting Mark Hunt. I mean, it's really, it's, it, it, it's not an impressive thing. Um, and uh, and it, it's, it's rather shocking at this point. Anyway, he comes back, and they still give him another sh- chance after that. They could have cut him. Maybe he didn't have a, a contract where you could cut him. Who knows how he got that other chance, but there he is sticking around. Fri- fights uh, K- Chris Tuscherer at UFC 127 in, 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 in Australia, right? Uh, that was in February of 2011. Knocks him out. Walk off. All right, Chris, not the best UFC heavyweight of all time. Fine. Comes back. Fights Ben Rothwell, not the most exciting fight, not his best performance, but beats Ben Rothwell, who's a legitimate heavyweight. Fine. And now he's won two in a row. Now already it's a little bit improbable. Knocks out Czech Congo, UFC 144. Out with the injury, comes back, knocks out Stefan Struve. All of a sudden he's fighting Junior Dos Santos. And a big part of it, make no mistake about it, the fans getting behind them. If the fans weren't behind this fight, who knows if the UFC would have done it. That's a huge part of it. And uh, I'm curious. I don't know why they love him so much. I mean, I get it. Maybe he's an underdog. He's he, he's kind of, you know, he doesn't, the interviews, he's just sort of aloof and he doesn't give too much, but yet it's kind of fascinating in a weird way. He's got a great look. He's had great fights in the past. Someone brought this up to me, which I think is interesting. Is he the last pride fighter to have a legitimate chance to win a UFC title? What about uh, Dan Henderson? Well, that's my question. Oh, you're saying... Is he the last guy? Is mm. he the last hope? Uh, That's a good one. Can you think of any other names other than Henderson? Well, there's Vanderlei who's doing well. Well, I mean guys who are really closer to the shot. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, he might might be the best shot. It's amazing, right? Who would have thunk it? The guy was under 500 just... Months ago, yeah. So I think it's by far the best underdog story. It's uh, I mean, you can't you can't beat it. You really can't. There's something about his look, his demeanor, the way he finishes fights. It's great. Okay, our next question: What is your opinion on Fallon Fox, the mm. transgender fighter competing in MMA? Advantages, disadvantages, and is it fair? Oh God, this is a really deep one. Um, if you haven't heard the story, it's been everywhere. Fallon Fox first openly transgender fighter in uh, MMA history. Um, she is 2-0 and as a pro, involved in a tournament in Florida, um, was licensed but was not open about her surgery. And now it's come to light and, and the opponent's saying, well, maybe she wouldn't have taken the fight and should she have to tell people beforehand? I mean, at this point, everyone knows who she is. She's on CNN, for God's sake. So if you don't know about it, then someone's not helping you out there. And you should be doing a little more research. If you Google her name, it'll be out there. So it's out there at this point. The question is, does she deserve the opportunity to fight women? Is she getting an unfair advantage? Honestly, I don't know enough about this situation. I I don't know. I mean, at first glance, you say, yeah, I mean, she's a man. You know, she was a man and she had the surgery. Now she's a woman. She still has that strength, the hormones, et cetera. But then you read more about it. And, you know, there are doctors who say that they lose it all. This is way above my pay grade. I, 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 I don't want to be uneducated. I don't want to sound ignorant. Um, so I don't know. I, who, who am I to say? What do you say? Well, I say uh, something that you touched on was that um, uh, Crooklyn did, a, did yeah. a, a few interviews with um, doctors who said that at a certain point, um, her hormone levels uh, are decreased, the bone density is decreased, and 
she has no advantages um, over other female fighters. Um, and this is from the doctors who are experts on the subject. So I, I'm not sure, you know, what more somebody would need. But for me personally, in my opinion, that's enough. Um, if, the, if the doctors are coming out and saying that, um, then that's that's justifiable, justifiable in my opinion. Now, if I'm a fighter competing against her, I might have a different opinion about it. Um, but if the science is there, then in my opinion, um, I think it's fair. I'm curious to see how her future opponents react. If she goes 15-0, will the UFC sign her? I think so. You do? I do. Wow. I mean, there's only so long you can you can keep somebody away from the big show when they're winning that much. This I mean, is this is this is unprecedented, though. I mean, this is a big one. Well, I, I agree, but I mean, we just had Liz Carmouche. Um, this is totally different. No, this no, is a, this is a physical issue. We're no, talking about. Yeah, I'm just saying. I'm that, not talking about because just she's transgender. It's the is it fair? Is the question? Oh, I see what you're saying. You 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 were saying would they allow it based on? Yeah, if that. it's fair or not, not the the media no, around. No, it. no, 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 no. Um, that I think so. I think that the the UFC is is ahead of the curve in terms of implementing things. For example, the the um, the TRT testing that's coming out that happened what seemed like overnight, where Dana was like, you know what, this is how I feel. This is how it's going to be from now on. And I think that um, you won't find that in many other leagues where things are implemented that quickly so i think that in terms of being reactionary to it um the ufc is the perfect place for that to happen so if the the information comes out and the ufc gets educated about whether it's fair or not whether this is uh considered an advantage or not i think that they'd be the first to quickly implement it and i have faith in in that fact so that if she did go on some sort of winning streak that was impossible to to deny, then I think the UFC would be a home for her. That's just my opinion, though. Yeah. I'm not sure if it'll happen, but she's getting a lot of attention, so I'm curious to see what happens next. This is our last question for today. <clears throat> What's the story behind the comic art framed oh. behind you? It looks like the X-Men. Well, is it okay if I look this way, Buzzkill, or is this... Go for okay. So this, uh, this little... Uh, uh, framed photo here it was given to us by the good people over at Cage Hero as you can see right here uh, it says AOL Fan House MMA Hour with Ariel Hawani making Monday mornings better since June 18th 2009 our first show uh, funny story about this was uh, John Volante was on the show prior to his fight against Chad Griggs first round of the Strike Force Heavyweight Grand Prix two Februarys ago and uh, he came to the studio with Mark Mastandrea, who was one of the owners of Cage Hero. He was a big fan of the show. They were coming into the studio the AOL days. So he gave us this, which I thought was very nice. And when we moved into the studio, I didn't particularly like this, uh, this uh, gray beam here. So I thought that the, the painting or the photo, which was up in our old studio, would work well here just because it kind of broke it up a little bit. And what was interesting about that appearance was... It was Volante. Mark came because he helped book the interview. And the guy who just came along, who tagged along with them, was Chris Weidman. Unknown Chris Weidman. Not a lot of talk about him doing okay things on the, 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 the amateur, not the amateur circuit, the indie circuit, ring of combat and whatnot. He just tagged along. He, he jumped into the interview. He, he came in at the end. But the star was John Volante. And then like a week later, Weidman gets the call to fight Sakara UFC on versus 
what I think it was number three in, in Kentucky, beat Sakara. The rest is history. Um, talked a bit about the, that he had a, a rib injury and he was still able to overcome that. So what's funny is I almost feel like him getting on the show expedited his uh, his UFC debut. Don't want to take credit for it, you know, like the Hunt situation. But that's the funny story. So this is it, the the Cage Hero painting picture, and uh, yeah, it's cool. Cage Hero, check him out. Appreciate it. All right, we do have the questions today to run back oh, through. Oh wow! So uh, this is the first one right here. It's the one about uh, the ads leading up to GSP yeah. versus. Just DS. run through them quickly. We yep. got the ads. Uh, out, of line. out of yeah. line. The tweeting from GSP. Yeah. Your mom. Oh yeah. Okay, uh, he wins. This guy. No, no, my mom. The the question about your mom. Yeah, of course. All right, there it is. There it is. Um, <laughs> congratulations. Who was it? Let me go back. I love that question. Shecky Shabazz. Shecky Shabazz, of course. Congratulations. You win the GSP round five figurine. You asked about my mom. You're going to win. That's the bottom line. But there were some great questions this week. I really love them. I like the Hunt one, the GSP ones, all great stuff. Okay, let's go to Rick's picks. It's 4.30, for God's sakes. Yeah, we can, we can do these quick because I touched upon most of it last week. Um, we've got St. Pierre. He's a minus 500 favorite. Nick Diaz, a plus 400 underdog. Uh, as I said, I really don't like this uh, styles-wise for Nick. I think that GSP is going to be able to take him down at will and keep him there. Now, Nick's always dangerous from the bottom, but I think that GSP is good enough with his con- positional control that he's not going to be um, in much danger, and I think that's the way the fight's going to go. Now, I said something, and somebody on Twitter mentioned this. I said that I think that GSP might be able to to finish Diaz. St. Pierre wins by T- TKO KO is right now sitting at 5 uh, plus 550, meaning 5.5 to 1. Um, and I don't see value in minus 500 for GSP, but there might be um, some value in taking GSP by TKO or KO uh, at 5.5 to 1. Now, I'm not, by no means am I saying that's the most likely scenario. I see GSP winning a decision, but it will be possible for GSP to have Nick Diaz on the ground so much, and we know how good GSP is um, punching inside the guard. He, he completely destroyed BJ Penn from inside his guard. Um, GSP is also adept at passing guard, so that's not a problem for him to get a new position. I think that there might be a scenario where um, he has enough volume on his punches, not necessarily doing so much damage. You're, not, you're really, you know, Diaz is, is almost impossible to finish in terms of knocking him out cold or submitting him, but he might have enough uh, of a, he might get enough a number of punches in that he might be able to force the ref to stop it with a TKO. Now, as I said, that's not the most likely uh, GSP by decision is sitting at, let's see, minus 250. So a little better um, than the minus 500 of taking him straight out, but I'm not sure that that's what I'm going to go. I'm either going to stay away, um, stick GSP in a parlay, or take a flyer on him inside the distance because I think that is possible. Overwhelming with strikes. All right. Uh, the next fight. Condit Hendricks. And Condit. by the way, that was one of your better breakdowns, I must say. Thank you, sir. Yeah, no problem. Uh, Condit is plus 115. He's the underdog. Hendricks is minus 135. Now, I was a little on the fence about this fight last week. I've since thought about it, and I really... Now, this could come back to bite me in the butt. I really like Condit in this one as an underdog. Now, I said the same thing about Campman that I'm about to say about Condit, which is that um, he has a very diverse game. Uh, 
he's tough to knock out and he's going to have um be able to get in and out and execute different attacks on Hendricks. Now I said the same thing about Campman and Campman got laid out in what was it? Less than a minute. Um so you cannot discount Johnny Hendricks' power. Now, I don't think that that happens to Condit in this one, but I'm not sure enough to say that it absolutely will not happen. So if you look at some props, um, Hendricks wins inside the distance is currently plus 325 because there's not a line on knockout exclusively out right now. But if you're, if you're feeling that this is going to be another one of those Hendricks fight where he just you know blasts somebody, plus 325 is not bad odds to get. Uh, for a Hendricks knockout. Now, I I might take that as a flyer to counter my bet on Condit, but my pick for this fight is Condit, and I will probably bet on Condit. Um, and I'm and I'm absolutely worried about it because of Hendricks's power. It, it's undeniable how powerful that dude is. It looked like he barely grazed Campman when he knocked him out, and he sent him flying across the ring. Um, so yeah, I'm picking Condit, but Hendricks is Hendricks is a beast. That's uh, a that's a that's a tricky situation. He was supposed to it's such a tough spot for, for Hendricks after the Ellenberger fight, which seemed like a good fight for him. Now he gets the former interim champ. If he loses, it's 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 a shame, you know, because he was there. Um he earned it. And then if he wins, I mean, who has a resume like that? This guy's tort like he's demolished the division. Um Yeah. Yeah. So that's the breakdown on that one. All right. Real quick, we have Ellenberger, minus 165 favorite. Marquardt, plus 145. I like Ellenberger to win a decision here. Now, Ellenberger has power. Marquardt has power. So either guy could end this fight uh, inside the distance. But I think that Ellenberger is going to be able to mix in some kicks. Uh, we saw that, you know, Safadine was able to to work Marquardt's legs. Now, I don't see that happening happening again. Ellenberger is not Safadine. Um but I do see him being able to slow Marquardt to the point where wrestling is not a factor and he's going to be able to beat him on the feet. Now, Marquardt's, you know, no slouch on his feet, so that's it's not going to be easy. I think that this fight's going to be either a split decision or a close unanimous decision, one of those, because I think it's very evenly matched, but I think Ellenberger has a little bit more in his um, tool belt at this point. So I'm picking Ellenberger, possibly going to bet on him, um, but nothing right now, nothing that I see right now that's jumping out. And that's it? Uh, they they posted lines for uh, Chris Camozzi and Nick Ring. Okay. Camozzi is a slight favorite. I, I doubt he opened as a favorite. Let me check it on that. Camozzi opened at plus 140. Um, so he was the underdog. Uh, and now... Oh, actually, no. Ring is still the favorite. Camozzi opened at plus 140. He's now minus 115. Ring opened at minus 180, and he came down to, plus, uh, to minus 125. So the action is coming in on Camozzi. Um, who's still a slight underdog to Nick Ring um, at minus 125. I like Kamozi in this fight. Um, first of all, Nick Ring coming off a layoff um, from, what was it? I think he had food poisoning. Uh, is that uh, right? I think he had the flu or something. He was supposed to fight Philip, who pulled, uh, pulled out of the fight the morning of. Right. I, 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 I think it was the, the, a sick he was, cut, he something. Was, I don't know yeah. if it was food poisoning, but yeah. Some, something happened, um, and I feel that some of the, sometimes those are almost worse than injuries. Injuries, you kind of know what you're dealing with, um, uh, but this is one of those situations where you don't really know what you're going to get. Now, I say this every time because, you know, you have to. Nick Ring is in Canada, and he's been known to win decisions in Canada. Oh. Um, 
Now, I'm not saying that, you know, the refs are uh, the refs, the judges are in his pocket or anything. I'm just saying if it's a close fight, ring has shown the ability to pull it out, whether you agree with the decisions or not. Um, that's something you have to account for. But uh, I like Kamozi in this one. I will probably bet on him. All right. Uh, there's one more line. Colin Fletcher and Mike Ricci, two guys we had on the show today. Yes. Fletcher is a plus 205 underdog. Ricci is minus 285. I don't see much value. I like Ricci in this one, um, but I'm not sure I'm willing to to lay the juice on him at minus 285. Uh, maybe in a parlay. I, I think that Ricci's a really, really good fighter. He just happened to come up against um, a guy who is a superior wrestler and knows how to execute his game plan um, in uh, Colton. But I think that Re- this is Ricci's fight to lose, and I like him in this one, but uh, not at minus 285. I'll see what kind of props come out or possibly stick him in a parlay. All right. That's it. There it is. So you'll uh, you'll tweet the the uh, the picks an hour within an hour after the the weigh-ins, right? That's correct. Ruben Duran versus George Roop, Issei Tamura versus T.J. Dillashaw, Quinn Mulhern versus Rick Story. Facebook prelims. Darren Crookshank versus John McDessie. Jordan Meehan versus Dan Miller. Uh, Darren Elkins versus Antonio Carvalho. And Bobby Volker versus Patrick Cote. FX prelims. Then it's Cole. Uh, Colin Fletcher versus Mike Ricci, Nick Ring versus Chris Camozzi, Jake Ellenberger versus Nate Marquardt, Johnny Hendricks versus Carlos Condit, and then the big one, George St. Pierre versus Nick Diaz. It's UFC 158. Isaac? Let me just say two things real quick. All right. Uh, There are some undercard uh, fights that I'm interested in, so keep an eye out for that. Second thing, shout out to Brian Axelrod. Oh, yes. I got to go to uh, the Barclays to see Bernard Hopkins fight uh, Tavares Cloud. It was incredible. Um, Good crowd? Yeah, the crowd was great. Brooklyn was rocking. Uh, Hopkins became the oldest fighter to become champion, I believe it is. Yeah, 40 years, years old. old. By the way, someone noted you were tweeting more about that than you were about UFC on Fuel TV. I tweeted twice about it. That's more. Uh, yes, that is more, but that that's because more? I was in the building. If I was in the building for <laughs> UFC on uh, Fuel TV, you can bet there'd be some more tweets. Where's the theme song? Uh, it's coming. We're working it out. Um, you know, red tape and all that. Buzzkill okay. Brendan sitting right next to me. So yeah, I don't what's wanna... up? He, he's not involved in the process, oh, okay. but, you know, he's overseeing. All right. Well, then it's definitely not going to happen. Isaac, you can hit my music. There we have it. Marathon edition of the MMA Hour. We knew this was coming. But it was worth it, my friends. A great episode. Appreciate you stopping by. Fitting. Uh, such a huge week in MMA. Feel, again, it feels like a big fight. And I love that feeling. The fight we've been waiting for. We thought we were going to get it two other times. There was talk when Nick was the the Strike Force champion, GSP, of course, the UFC champion. And finally, someone tweeted a picture, uh, a video to me yesterday of me interviewing Nick like three years ago about this fight. When they obviously couldn't fight, Nick was saying, I want to fight this guy. Finally, we're going to get to see it happen. I cannot wait. I want to thank John Danaher for stopping by. Great insight. Really want to have him back on the show. Uh, in the future in studio talk about his career and get some more insight from him really enjoyed talking to him Colin Fletcher thank you very much Jim and Mike Ricci great stuff out of both of them looking forward to that fight kicking off the pay-per-view on Saturday night and uh, I must admit Mike got me a little excited 
to maybe one day try McDonald's again. I really appreciate John Fitch stopping by. Congratulations to him as he signs with World Series of Fighting and uh, is set to make his debut in June, June 14th. Frankie Edgar, always a pleasure to talk to the answer, the former champion, and good luck getting in that fight against Cub Swanson. Uh, Caesar Gracie, great insight as always from the man from 209. Looking forward to seeing him in Montreal and good luck against uh, GSP. Stefan Bonner, really appreciate him stopping by. I hope it all works out. Really appreciate the insight. And Mark Hunt, let's not forget about Mark Hunt, the Super Simone. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for all the questions. Everything. We'll see you next week. Peace. So I'm out of here.